You are listening to the iFanboy 2008 Year End Roundup, sponsored by InStock Trades and Netflix. Hello and welcome to the iFanboy.com 2008 All Media Year End Roundup. My name is Ron and I'm here with... Connor. I'm Josh. And at iFanboy.com, usually we like comics and we read comics and we talk about comics and we come here and talk about... um, We don't like them now. Come back here and talk about it on a weekly basis about our pick of the week, but we're not going to do that this week. We also like tons of other media. Um, We're going to talk about it here, kind of look look back at the year behind us, 2008, that's coming to an end. Talk about our favorite movies, TV shows, music, video games, podcasts. And maybe some comics. It's sort of a gift to you, but also a gift to us. Yeah. <laughs> because we can't talk... Well, actually, we apparently can talk about comics constantly, but... Yeah. But we can talk about other things. A lot of people, we meet people at cons, and they think they just want to talk to us about comics. So if you're but tuning like in looking for the Pick of the Week podcast, that's not happening this week, but it'll be back next week. So yep. come, you know, don't fret. This is our special end of year and show, so... This will be worth listening to. It will be. But before we start... You're making a big claim there, mister. Before we start, just going to warn you, like we normally warn you on the on this podcast, we're going to talk about what happened in these various mediums. So, Media. I know I did that on purpose. So, um, so if you haven't seen a movie or a TV show or heard a record or something that we're talking about... You you just be warned. We're gonna spoil. I'm gonna try not to. Yeah, ruin. If, if it's if it's been uh, out, if it's new, I'm not gonna try. Yeah. It's a movie that came out in no, February. Yeah, exactly. Something that came out in over the summer. Sure, but it's on DVD. The statute of limitations are off. Like Iron Man, it's Robert. Oh, that's Jr. We're, we talked about. That? <laughs> no, we're not. No, we're not, not talking about anything that. left to say about the Iron Man movie <laughs> at all? No. All right. So moving in, we're gonna kick it off. We're gonna get this party started with movies, the year in cinema. Uh, the first movie on the list that we got here is uh, Role Models with our with our good friend Paul Rudd, who I don't know, and um, <laughs> the other one, Stifler. Yeah, What's his name? Sean, Sean William Scott. Sean William Scott. Yeah. Scott. This, Sh- was, this was interesting because it's co-written by Paul Rudd, Ken Marino, and David Wayne. Yeah, it's the, it's the, the state. The state. And yeah. uh, this was after The Ten, which was awful. Oh, I like The Ten. The ten yeah, was you're wrong, though. Uh, <laughs> but but the Wet Hot American Summer, which was very good, uh, this, was the, this was the funniest movie that I saw this year. There were a lot of funny movies this year, and this was – it was interesting because the they, way they positioned it, it was like a two guys get in trouble with the law, got a big brother, two little kids. Mm-hmm. But it was really crass, and it had that that edge that the state comedy tends to have, which is really – you know, which is what I like about it. Like the writing I thought was great. It was really I had – I mean I just – I laughed a lot. I laughed the whole way through. One thing with a lot of comedies is that they'll spend the first half an hour setting things up, and, and you'll, you'll laugh, and it'll be funny at first, and then you'll be like, uh Got to get yeah. through plot, whatever, and then at the end it's funny again. And like in the middle, you lose. It's sort of this is funny nonstop. It was funny the whole way through. The dude's name was Augie, yeah. which prompted three minutes of laughter. Aww. Sorry, it did. What do you want? <laughs> he was a kid with glasses. <laughs> um, and uh, the the return of the kid who played McLovin. Yeah. There's just like there was just so many things in this, and it was just little like the subtleties, idea, little subtleties. Yeah, but the idea it was like every time. Somebody said something vaguely, and but it, okay, there was like intelligent jokes and then really lowbrow jokes, and and like people kept saying like things that sounded like that's what she said, yep. but they didn't say that. <laughs> it was just Paul Rudd giving a look, yeah, and it happened over and over and over, and like the idea. I thought the kiss thing was really funny. Not that they came out in the costume. I mean, that was because they built to it. Yeah. But the beginning, it was like 
this one guy telling this little black angry kid about Kiss. And by the way, the little black angry kid was awesome. He was spectacular. He was, great. He was really um, and, he's, and like, no one's interested in Kiss. You know what I mean? Especially not anyone who wasn't around the first time. But the explanation of what they were, it was like, no, they were these Jewish guys who figured. It was just, it was that was that was great. It was so many funny it, things. Role models, uh, uh, the the people I went to go see, one of them commented that that her her face hurt from laughing so much. In yeah, the movie, which is always a good sign. You know, that. one of the things that I liked about this compared to a movie like Forty um, Year Old Virgin, because yeah. um, if, if if listen, if Judd Apatow's not involved with the movie, it's either not getting made or it's not funny. Right. Um, but with Forty Year Old Virgin, the whole point of that story was they took this guy who had some arrested development complex where he apparently where he had action figures everywhere, and his coming of age was that he got rid of everything and moved home with his life, which kind of always bothered me about that movie. Yeah. Since we do the whole comic book thing, um, but <laughs> in this movie, he had, to, he had to change himself in order to be accepted. Right, right. embrace it. Yeah, you said, yeah. embrace who you are. Be proud of who you are. Um, and the fact that there was a whole subplot involving live-action role-playing. Yeah. And I don't know why they didn't just say LARPing, by the way. Is, yeah, that t- yeah. is that copyrighted? I don't know. Who knows? But um, the fact that LARPing was a major plot point, and within that, like the kid had to be himself within the LARP, right. which was awesome, which was great. Yeah. Uh, in that little context, Joel Atrulio. Yes. Um, he was fantastic. He was great. He never broke character never once. Did. And Ken Marino was great as the close-talking uh, yeah, boyfriend. Yeah. Ken yeah. Marino's underrated. Yeah, yeah. Ken Marino's underrated. Really I, was, I was surprised by how funny it was. Yeah, um, I really was loved fun. it. And like at the beginning, I just angry, angry Paul Rudd. I was like, I'm two steps from that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like Lindsay, the, the whole Lindsay, Starbucks scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lindsay's looking at me going, wow, I know this guy. <laughs> um, that was one I really wanted to see but didn't get a chance yeah, to go there, see. There were a lot and I was, we were going to get through it but I, I, thought, I was surprised at the number of comedies I saw this year and, that, and this was the last one I saw and probably the I agree with you the funniest. Yeah. But um, one movie I saw, one summer movie I saw which was uh, Wally, the uh, this year's Pixar oh. movie which I always feel bad because I don't feel bad but I, always, I walk out of every Pixar movie going that was the best Pixar movie. But Without a doubt, Wally was the absolute best Pixar movie that's ever been. Wally was mm. for me the uh, the best, it's best technical looking. computer animation yes. I've yeah. ever seen in my life. Yeah. The the first thirty minutes alone of just Wally on the planet were just amazing. Were just great. They were just <laughs> quiet and just kind of you know like it, it, you know the the economy of, of the way they told the story and, and all that kind of stuff. And then just all the stuff with the when the other robot came down, they fell in love and that whole montage and all and that kind of thing. And then of course there's the social commentary with the fat people in the chair, right. the Kevin Smiths of the of, of the. I I here. saw Wally when I was stranded in San Diego. After the con, <laughs> when when everyone else got out but me, and I was stuck by myself in San Diego, um, I thought it was okay. Yeah, but I didn't think it was very good. Oh, I really liked it. I it thought I thought it had no story that I could latch onto, and I didn't really get into the story until they met the people on the ship, and then the captain. I thought was the best part of the movie. He was great. Jeff someone, Garland, yeah. someone who I could latch onto, someone who did the right thing, someone who I could identify with. Honestly, the Wally, other than the uh, other Eve. EV was a number yeah. heartless, heartless cold stone Connor's I don't know. back. It just, I know, it was he just, is, he is. Yeah, he, it was okay, but it wasn't uh, great or I anything. It. I loved it. it so. I don't know. It just it didn't. It definitely doesn't hold up to Toy Story or to or no, to no, any of those, any those other. It's a different kind of thing. I, yeah. I, I loved. I loved the production of it. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, it was great looking. The animation no, was astounding. The animation, but, the sound design. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, what 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 he's talking about is. Like building a character who you relate to who doesn't say anything and, and isn't uh, yeah. organic, I suppose. Which right, I did. I mean, I, I mean, he's a robot, but he had a heart, you know. Like, and it was, uh, and all the and all the other little robots behind, like the little cleaning droid that kept yeah. following him, like, and how and it becomes this ragtag group who, when they're on the ship and they're trying to get the thing, and like, oh, it was good. So, I, don't, I loved it. Uh, one movie that just came out recently that Josh and I just took in was Grand Torino, the latest yeah. Clint Eastwood film, <laughs> which, funnily enough, we saw in the middle of the day, like one o'clock, and the theater was was pretty full. Yeah. 
I guess it's the everyone's laid off and looking for something to do. Economy theater screening, I guess but so. entertainment will do well in a, in a depression. It was still, it was still twelve fifty. <laughs> it was. The, the funny thing is, when I saw this trailer, at first I was surprised because a I thought the Clint Eastwood had retired from acting. I thought for sure I'd read him. No, that's Sean Connery. No, I mean I recently I thought he had, he'd he'd said that, but this the trailer. I laughed and laughed. Is a bit misleading. I saw the trailer and it was like literally. I was like, "Well, that's some stereotypical shit right there." But like at the point where he he there's like a bunch of stuff happens and he cocks a shotgun and he's like, "Get off my lawn!" And I was like, "Oh my god, it's the greatest old cranky man ever." <laughs> Basically, the story is is Clint Eastwood's character is an old blue collar retiree from working on the automobile line in the in the suburbs of Detroit, and his wife just died, and he's living in the old neighborhood, which has been taken, which is. No longer white and blue collar, and he's the, like one of the last holdouts. He's a bit racist. If you are uh, the kind of person who likes to feel uncomfortable in a multicultural theater setting, <laughs> while a, while a rich white man uh, on screen says uh, racial epithets, this is the movie for you. Although everyone was laughing, everyone was including... laughing. But there was a couple of moments where you're like, "Am I allowed to laugh at that?" <laughs> um, and and, even he, and he's very very racist, the character. Yeah. But when he bad stuff happens to him. Mm-hmm. People around the theater were like making, you know, sad sounds. So it's, he built he builds a character. He is, you know, what he was he was the guy who hates everybody equally. Yeah. So you kind of he uh, was racist towards everyone: yeah. Irish, Polish, Italian, yeah. Racist, yeah. black, Latino, Hmong. So Hmong, Hmong. Well, if you'd seen the movie, maybe you wouldn't make that face. All right, I didn't see the, the, movie, the Hmong. Sorry. They're they're uh, they're uh, Asian people, Asian Southeast oh, Asian okay. group in the Midwest. So basically, what happens is he's in this neighborhood. There's a gang problem. His, he hates his neighbors. They're a Hmong family. They get involved in a gang problem. He sorts. He shows up with a shotgun because they're on his lawn. The fight moves to his lawn. He only cares because they're on his lawn. He doesn't care what's happening right. as soon as they get off. He, his lawn. he lived in this like like a neighborhood when the, when the auto plants were were all well. This was a nice neighborhood, but since then he's the only one there. And like the the joke is like you look at his house and it's perfectly clean. The lawn's green and beautiful, and everything else is paint peeling brown. You know, right. for right the grass. And so then he learns to. It's it's really it, from the from the trailer and the poster. You think it's like. The Last Days of Dirty Harry. Yeah. But really, it's a movie about an old man finding his place at the end of his life and finding some happiness. He finds... He connects with the family. He, 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 he finds a family he never had. He's not, he's not close to his own family, but he meets this new family, and he, protect, he protects his, them, his, and he feels... His son played by comedian Brian Haley, yeah. who I used to like... He, I was, in the early 90s, he was one of my favorite stand-ups. I haven't seen him since. He shows up in this. <laughs> but it's, it's an interesting film. I think it's, it's, a, it's a film that the ending is not what many people are expecting, I think. No, it is a film that... It, it's it could be it needs Clint Eastwood in it like this yeah. is, you want to see you want to see the the guy really put on a really good a good acting performance but also he totally carries the movie without him it's well the thing is he what weak. he does does now is he he casts a lot of non actors to yeah. be authentic he cast all Hmong people and they weren't actors you could tell they weren't yeah. actors but I thought that lent more authenticity to it because it didn't it wasn't like somebody pretending to be Hmong they were all sort of real but you Hmong. have to be able to act like yourself even if you're acting I, don't know, I I didn't have any problem I don't mind naturalistic people playing real roles but I thought Clint Eastwood was really good he's an underrated actor and I love his films and he only he made this film in like five months from start to finish, which is amazing. Recently, I managed to. I'm very happy that I, I got a chance to go see Frost Nixon before. I want to see this uh, before the yeah. wide release, and like it was like I need to go see this as soon as possible. Franklin I want to be able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Frank Langella is as um, as Nixon and um, Michael Sheen as uh, David Frost in 1974 after Nixon's resignation. Uh, he wasn't giving interviews. He wasn't doing anything. But there was like a scramble for everybody to figure out who was going to be the first to get him. So CBS was trying to get him. ABC was trying to get him. But they wouldn't pay for interviews. So David Frost, who is this guy who 
uh, is British television personality, but he had he had a, he had had a talk show very briefly in America. Yeah. Um, successful, right? He wasn't. It was unsuccessful. Well, no, he you know he was successful because he had a bunch of shows. He had one that was on in Australia. He was just trying to make a lot of things stick, but he was mostly like a, a glossy kind of character. You know what I mean? Like, like he wasn't a hard hitting journalist. No, he wasn't. Um, and so he gets the idea, like, well, let's offer a ton of money to to Richard Nixon for the interview. And in doing so, he alienates all the networks, so they won't run the show that he's basically staked his own stuff on mm. um and so he he goes to do it uh, independently and he, he goes to get sponsors um so it's p- partially about that and then what you end up with is, is 12 days only two hours a day just so you don't think they're just sitting there for two weeks of of interviewing nixon um and and it goes badly for almost all of the days where uh, <laughs> frost is not prepared like he's taking it too lightly and he brings on a couple of guys, played by Oliver Platt and Sam Rockwell, to be his his researchers, um, who are like well, the one guy like, hates Nixon. And there's a really neat scene between Platt and uh, Rockwell where Nixon's about to come in, and like Rockwell's written four books about how awful Nixon is, and 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 he's like, "So you're gonna shake his hand?" He's like, "No, I'm not gonna shake his hand." And you know, like he comes in, what do you do in the presence? Like, hello, and he hands, holds his hand out, and you just go, oh, "Yes." <laughs> it it's, uh, could have been caricature. You know, Nixon's hard to. Uh, he's almost a caricature. He is the caricature right, um, of himself. But it, what it really did was... It, so this all really happened, of course. And this is a dramatization based on a play. And um, I just... I had so much fun. It was like political... Seems like it would be an acting showcase. It was. And one of the interesting things is that is that Nixon, you don't really know... Like, he's a joke now, sort of, to people who weren't around then, but he's a powerful figure. And this, really, this whole thing is just a chess match between him and Frost. He was very smart. He was crazy, but very, very smart. And the crazy things that he would do would be to unnerve you. Like, for example, just before they're about to start taping, he looks down at Frost's shoes and he's like, you got those buckles on your shoes there. So you don't think that's too effeminate? Okay, go! And, like, they start, uh, you know. And and he'd he'd been nailing him all along the way, and and then by the end, um, you know. Victory triumphs, but I loved this movie. If there were flaws with it, and there may have been, I was so blinded by my enjoyment of it that I couldn't tell you what they were. It was great. Interesting. Um, on the same kind of you know historical you know historical movie tip, I saw I recently saw Milk. That was the one I didn't get to. I tried. Yeah, which was the which is the biography uh, of Harvey Milk, uh, who was a uh, politician in San Francisco, who was the first uh, gay, um, openly gay, openly gay person to be elected to uh, a, a high, prominent high, office. He was a, he was a, a councilman. selectman, which is yeah. like a no, councilman, city, city supervisor, supervisor, which is like a councilman. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, Sean Penn played Milk, and I and swear to God, he's got to be nominated. He it was just this was this is the one Sean Penn's going to win on. I think mm-hmm. um, he's already won. Did he already won? Oh, yeah. man, I don't keep track of these things. Um, for, I thought he. I thought he. he, he I thought it was like an upset. He didn't get it. What did he, he won for? for Mystic River. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, which, which, win again. Which was awesome. Um, but like, so uh, uh, there's a little yep. bit, a little bit of, a little bit of you know hometown pride in the same way that I like movies that take place in New York. They shot this. Gus Van Sant directed it, and they shot it all in San Francisco. So it's not you know repre- representative of San Francisco. Like I could take you and show you where they shot that scene and stuff uh-huh. like that, and that was really cool. They mixed it in because what's also interesting is that we're going to start seeing a lot of movies about things that have happened close. Like this is somewhat in our lifetime. Like he died in '78. We were babies, yeah. but there's footage of all the stuff as it happened, and they they cleverly intermixed it, not annoyingly. They, they worked in news footage, but they sometimes they recreated it. Sometimes they used the original stuff. Um, the entire cast around him, James Franco. Surprisingly, who can't act out of a cardboard box was great. Uh, Emil Hirsch was great. He can't um, act. He just doesn't get good parts. Yeah, I guess so. Well, the Norman Osborn was 
I know Harry Osborne was a little bad. Yeah, but, but what, yeah, what's no. that for a part? I know, but um, it, it was just and it was just and it was a great story. It was great, you know, kind of a true American kind of rise to power kind of thing. Tragic ending. Josh Brolin was fantastic as the other city supervisor who lost it and, and killed him. Um, and it was I don't know, it just it, it was. I, and I saw it at the Castro Theater, which is the theater right in, you know right in the gay neighborhood in San Francisco that is prominently portrayed in the movie. So that it, was kind it of it was uh, fabulous. Yes, it was fabulous. Excellent. Nice way to go there. I, I'm looking um, forward to that. Yeah, but it was really really good. I strongly recommend it. So. Gus Van Zant needed a win. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. One film I found on DVD I didn't see until it left the theater was In Bruges, which in is it's just little it's a little um, and little is it foreign? I guess it's foreign. British. A little British film, and it's about uh, Colin Farrell and uh, Brand- Brendan Brendan Gleeson. Gleeson, who by the way, any movie with Brendan Gleeson in it is a better movie for it. And an awesome Ray Fiennes. This is the fucking scariest man you've ever seen. He's yep. basically bricked up, like, you know, scary. And it's basically two hitmen from, from England get sent to Bruges in, Brus- in Belgium to hide out after, after a hit gone bad. And it's the two guys for like a week. And, you know, you, you explore what they went through and who they are through this week of... They're like, hanging out. They're just hanging out. There's just, it's just talking. Gleason's the older veteran. Farrell's, Colin Farrell's the new sort of guy on the scene who screwed the hit up really really badly mm-hmm. and you find out how horribly badly it went through the course of the thing and and Ray Fiennes is their really freaking scary boss who shows up to kill one of them Ray Fiennes is basically one of those guys like he's got a big career but like when he plays a bad guy he owns you yeah. like like who's the other just, the first time you hear his voice when he leaves a message yeah and it's a voiceover of him reading the message yeah. you're just like oh shit and he's that scary cockney gangster guy that, that is the scariest person yeah, on the, yeah. And um, it, I, you know what this movie did? It was first of all, it was really, really str- strongly written. I thought it was a really great character mm-hmm. piece. But also, it reminds you that Colin Farrell is a good actor. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, when he gave up, be. when he gave up on being a Hollywood star, and he went, he, he gave up on. It. He said, "I'm not doing any more big Hollywood films. I'm just going to do these kind of films." I think right. that's he's stronger for that because he's he's very good in it. He's very mm-hmm. sympathetic in it. He he breaks your heart at a few points. But um, this is one of those films that went completely under the radar, but it got nominated for a Golden Globe. Wow. And um, I, it's, it's a really good gangster. It, it, is, it gets really kind of violent at points and very bloody yeah. at points. Yeah. No, I, I enjoyed it. It was good. It was, it was a nice nice little movie. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Because you, uh, you hear gangsters. And you it's, it's funny be... and it's sad and, mm-hmm. it was inter- and it's exciting. It's good. Uh, the Visitor I, I saw recently from um, – oh, God, I forgot his name. Uh, the director – is the guy who wrote and directed Tom McCarthy. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Uh, the guy who wrote and directed uh, The Station Agent a couple of years ago, which, which is literally it's one of my favorite movies of the past few years. Um, the guy's name, uh, the, he's like a character actor. He's one of those guys that you watch a movie and you go, it's, it's that guy, Richard Jenkins. Yep. Um, he played he was the, the father of Six Feet Under. He, yeah. Oh, okay. He played yeah, the father yeah, and yeah. stepbrothers. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he's just like, he's that guy. He's yeah. a character actor. Yeah. You know? He's, and, you know, he does, he's done little, in a ton of... rough around the edges. He's done a ton of movies. Yeah, yeah. You just don't notice him because he plays roles that don't really stand out. But he's always good in them. Yeah. He yeah. is. Um, this is about a guy who is living by himself uh, in Connecticut. He's a college professor and his wife's dead and he's basically really kind of sad, and, and he ends up going to. He has a, an apartment in New York City that he's had for years, and he doesn't go there. He finds that people are living there um, because somebody like squatting it. Yeah, but they don't know that they're squatting it. And he becomes friends with them, and one of them is from Senegal, and one of them is from Syria. Um, and it's like literally that's all the explanation that he sort of like hangs out with them, and it opens him up. And then the one guy gets put uh, into deportation, and they try to get him out, and he meets the guy's mother. It's just about a, a guy 
who'd been very closed off sort of opening up a little bit. It's a very, very, very well-acted piece. Um, if you remember The Station Agent at the beginning, it feels a lot like that movie. It's almost the same tone where, like, in the beginning... One they side actually, character. In the- yeah, you ask somebody's like, so, hey, what's going on? And it just goes, yeah. Like, he just wants the conversation to be over because he doesn't know how to deal with people. Um, probably a stronger ending than The Station Agent. Um, Station Agent just kind of ended. Yep. But I have The Visitor and literally on DVD with my Netflix sitting on my table at home. I haven't... Yeah, if you like The Station it. Agent, check that out if you haven't watched both of those movies. Richard, Richard Jenkins was great in Six Feet Under. So, um, so a uh, movie I was really excited to see that I finally got, I almost missed, but I finally got into the theater to see it, was uh, Jonathan Demme's Rachel Getting Married. Um, supposed to be great. Which was uh, really, really good. But it was a different type of movie than I normally see. Straight up drama. No, you know, like, and it was also shot almost, um, I want to say Verite, but that's so, I don't know. But very, that's, that's, yeah, it's Verite. Yeah, so. very Verite. Um, Focuses on Anne Hathaway, who it starts with her getting out of rehab to attend her sister Rachel's wedding uh, up in Stanford, Connecticut, actually. A little Connecticut connection there. And um, and it was shot all um, shot on location, and it's over the span of a couple of days from the rehearsal dinner up until the wedding, until the day after the wedding. And it was – there were two things that were really great about it. It was one that um, – it was just very realistic. The dialogue, it was written by – and I can't remember the woman's name um, – Lumet, uh, Sydney Lumet's daughter. Uh-huh. Um, uh, oh, right. Yeah. And, I heard an interview with her yeah, somewhere. And it was just the dialogue, the story and the dialogue was just so realistic. Like it was this creepy, weird peering in on these people's lives that right. was just so, um, so, uh, you know, realistic. Um, and then additionally was the way that the story developed, how you think that the whole center of attention is going to be uh, Anne Hathaway's character and being out of rehab, which is a huge thing. But turns out her family suffered this horrible tragedy. They had a younger brother who died and the ramifications of dealing with that. And the whole cast was great. Bill Irwin, who plays Mr. Noodle on, on Sesame Street, for those of you kids. <laughs> he's uh, a physical he's, comedian. He's a physical comedian. He was the dad, and he was so was was just great. It mm-hmm. was it was great to see him in a great role, and you know, and the whole thing, the whole movie was just, it, and it was one of those movies where it's literally this silence on the screen, silence in the theater, like you you shift in your chair and you, everybody hears it, yeah. like, and it was like uncomfortable but wonderful to watch. I've heard it's harrowing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. At points. Yeah, but really good. Really, really good. Awesome. Painful, but good. This year was the comic book movie year, where yes. we did six or seven special shows and on we comic books. We talked films. about them already. Just right. We didn't just. Well, one that, movie we right. didn't talk about because it wasn't based on a comic book property was Hancock. That's not a comic book movie. Yeah, oh yes, it is. <laughs> it. Um, it's not based on a comic book. It's a superhero movie. It's a superhero. Movie. Superhero movie. It's not the same as a comic book movie. Right. Right. I saw this recently, and it was. It was good. I mean, I want oh, to talk I heard about it. It was awful. No, it wasn't. From awful. everyone. Yeah. That's not true. I've heard many mixed things about it. Yeah. Um, first of all, this movie, just it's it's the re, rejuvenation, continues the rejuvenation of Jason Bateman. Oh, yeah. Oh. He is fantastic in it. He's, he's the one guy that. Hancock is. What I liked about it was he, he's not a normal character that you find in superhero films. Yeah. He doesn't really like being a superhero. He's sort of a fuck up as a superhero. He's a drunk. And, yeah. He's a drunk. He, when he saves stuff. Lots of damage happens. People get hurt. He doesn't, you know, he does it because what else is he going to do? But he doesn't really like it. He doesn't seek it out. He, you know, he doesn't. He's a sort of a misanthrope. And it's, it was interesting to watch because when you're, you have a whole summer of big time heroes standing there with their hands on their hips and being heroic. He's yeah. kind of just like whatever. I don't, all right. There's. I thought it was a great trailer. I remember seeing the trailer and thinking I'm interested in that, and then I just heard nothing. But wasn't there like a weird twist? With well, there's a twist in the middle, and I knew about it was coming, so that wasn't as, uh. as 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 surprising. I thought the first half is really really good. The second half is not as strong, but I thought it was a, it was a really solid film that 
really it lives and dies on the performance of the of the actors, which are Will Smith and Jason Bateman and Charlie Theron, and they're all good actors. It was pretty good. I would, I mean, it's set up for a sequel, made a ton of money. It's gonna, they're going to make a sequel. Are they going to? Yeah. Oh, they made like five hundred million dollars worldwide. Uh, Peter Berg. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it was, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was Peter a good, Berg. it was a good rental. Yeah. Uh, I saw Quantum of Solace not once but twice, not because I loved it that much. It just worked out that way. Because um, <laughs> I saw it like once in the middle of the week, and then later that week they were like, "Let's go see this." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> um, apparently, this is a movie that people have had a lot of problems with critically. I think I've seen I've seen complaints about it that it it wasn't as good as the last one, and it may not have been, but I didn't notice. Um, this was just another Bond movie. Daniel Craig. Proving to be what might be my favorite Bond at this point, um, as he's just getting broken down over and over again. There was a lot of fights and action and all that stuff, and it was fun. And uh, I, Mark Forster's a guy, the guy who directed it. You know, he's a guy who's done so many sort of different movies. You know, like he did Stranger Than Fiction and this oh, and 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 um, the Puff. That's the one with the Oscar for Halle Berry. Monsters oh, Ball. Monsters Ball. I mean, yeah, like he just like yeah. he's all over the place, and I respect the dude for that. Um, Did you do the last movie, Casino Royale? No. no, no. So now the one thing now I don't know. We talked about this last year. I'm not a Bond fan. Sure. Was it last year, Casino Royale? Was it yeah. A year? Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. This is is this like a trilogy? Because everybody said several. this, this movie felt like a middle movie. It, oh, it's totally like literally picks up right after the last one, and if you minutes don't, after the last one, if you don't remember the end of the last one, like you'll take a little while catching up. It, for me, that didn't really bug me because whatever. Um, you know what's funny is that I, the first time I was watching it, I found all of these plot holes and all of these things that didn't make sense and all these things that had been left. And I kind of forgot about it. And the second time I saw them, I saw them again. It just didn't bother me. And I don't know if that's whatever the Bond thing is where you just, you just sort of go, ah, you go with it. It's, it's, you know, it's spectacle. But I didn't feel like I was, it was stupid. It was a very I mean? strong second part, I thought. It was basically, I mean, if you watch the first film, it's this guy who was a secret agent and then he's... He's found his love, and then it's crushed, and he's taken away, and he's just destroyed by the end of the first film. This film is him dealing with that, so mm-hmm. it's all about his rage. The whole film, I saw as people talk about there was no story. There was a lot of story. It was all about him dealing with the grief. It wasn't. A, it wasn't like it wasn't a complete, you know, A to Z story in the whole thing. There was stuff that they picked up from the last one, and there's stuff that's left over to be done, you know, in in the further movies. I'm cool with that. I love serialization. Yeah. I'm I, I also. Um, what's her name? Uh, the M. You know, the woman. I know. Judy Dench. Judy Dench, of course. She is like my favorite part of this movie. She's great. She's great. She's so good. And and I had recently watched something else that she did last year. Um, she's a dame. She is, she is a dame. Um, was it the, the one where she's the queen? No, the, the one where she's the um, teacher and uh, Kate Blanchett is the... Oh, I saw that. Oh, Notes on a Scandal. Notes on a Scandal, yeah. And yeah. It just like the difference between yep. her performances and I saw them fairly close together. Um, she makes a great M. She's a great she really, M. really does. But this is basically, I mean, this is a, this is a writ for the trade series. I mean, this is like... It is. It's not a... They used to balance... The Bond films used to be one and done. They were separate. You didn't have to worry about anything. This is this is a continuing story. Fantastic second part. I loved it. I loved Quantum of I mean, And Daniel Craig, I'm like... Is there, and there's no doubt that this guy is yeah. just it's a basically, fantastic Bond, Bond. And he starts off rageful, and by the end, he's, he's, he's dealt with it. And that's the arc of the, of the film. Good stuff. My uh, my action movie fix uh, came in November when Transporter Three came out. You were so excited for this. I was so excited, and let me tell you, it paid off. Uh, the, the, what Ron's most unlikely favorite <laughs> fetish thing is like I love the the transporter films. Jason Statham's awesome. Jason Statham's awesome. He's what very makes, charismatic. Good, okay, here's what makes a good transport transporter film. 
Okay. <laughs> Things get moved from one place to another. No, it's not. <laughs> Very quickly with lots it's of explosions. A it is a formula. Basically, he needs to be unwillingly pulled. Jason Statham needs to be unwillingly pulled into a plot, into some sort of thing. Yep. Backed into a corner. There's a fantastic fight scene. At some point, a shirt comes off. And a he... shirt comes off. And then a lot of car chases, a lot of car speeding. This had it all. Yeah. The fight scene <laughs> the fight scene where his shirt comes off yeah. was so, like... like Erotic? Was, no, but it was like... it was, it was was like Sensual? No, there's no reason for his shirt to be off. Yeah, he's fighting with it. Because he's got really nice abs. He, he takes it off and he wraps it around the guy's head and throws him across the room. And, like, and it, oh, it was just great. I say the and same thing about Gordon Ramsay. There's, there's a girl, of course. You know, yeah. the, the girl he's transporting, who he falls for, and all yeah. this kind of stuff. Didn't that happen in the um, sequel? Wasn't Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the same. I saw the first one. It was fun. Yeah. The, I like him. I saw him yeah. at the bank job, which was excellent. Oh, he was okay. he was really good in it. Apparently, now, he's a British actor. And, yeah. and Luke Besson created the transport. Like, he did the first movie. Yeah. He wrote this movie. Uh, Luke Besson, he's someone we've been. Fifth Element. Jason Statham in England, not very well respected. It's because he did because he did Snatch. Yeah. yeah. The Snatch is not well yeah. received there yeah. from what I understand. Well, anyway, but well, he's very charismatic. I enjoyed I, it. I, I enjoy it. I strongly recommend Transport. All three Transporter movies get him. And The Bank Job, it's not an action film, it's a drama. He shows yeah. he can do both. They're going to do a fourth Transporter movie. I'm not surprised. Yeah, they no, there's a movie. movie here on the list that's about a brand of uh, VCRs or uh, <laughs> cameras. JCVD oh. is... Very unique. Oh, I have a hard time. We actually talked about this earlier. I have a hard time really breaking this film down. I saw this last week by myself yeah. at a private screening yeah. because I was the only one in the theater. <laughs> and by the end of it, I was like, wow, I, I really enjoyed that, but I'm not sure what that was. For the, those who don't know, the JCBD stands for... Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme, the muscles from Brussels. And Kick! This is, and this is a, this is a uh, Belgian... Movie. It's all. It's mostly in, Fran- in French. It's yeah, mostly subtitled, um, and it's uh, kind of documentary, kind of. It's very strange. Basically, the story of the film is Jean Claude Van Damme is a, you know, he's he's he is himself. He's a washed up actor, and he can't get any roles because he's too young, he's too old. Yep. You know, the movies have moved on. He was a big, big star in the 80s, late 80s, Bloodsport, early 90s. Bloodsport. Blood bone came out of the shin. Uh, Bloodsport, uh, the, the one where we played Twins. Like, he had, he had a lot of big... Time Cop. Double Impact. Double, Double Impact, impact Time yeah, Cop. And now he's kind of he's kind of a punchline. He's, there, there was a great... I thought there was a great... The opening scene, which is him doing this amazing... One shot. ...action scene in one shot, where he's going through, like, an army base and fighting the whole thing, and they finish it, and something goes wrong, and... He goes to the director, who's some Japanese director, and he's like, "I'm 47 years old. I can't do this in one take." And the and the Japanese guy says to the translator, like, "What is he? Is he asking if we're doing Citizen Kane again?" Yeah. You know, like it's kind of very like not you know kind of you know not it's not a good work environment. So he's got he's got no respect. He's got no money. He's on he's in a custody battle with his wife or his daughter, and she's she's gonna win. And he can't get any jobs. To keep the one he thought he was going to get went to Steven Seagal. Yeah, because he didn't agree to cut the ponytail off. <laughs> yeah. And so he's in. He's in. He's in uh, Belgium, and he's going to the post. Is he in, is he in Bruges? He no. Right. I don't know. They, they never said what city he was in. Yeah. And he goes to the post office to get some money because that's where you get money orders or whatever. And he it's walks. Like bank post he walks into the middle of a robbery, yeah. and then it, it plays with time. It jumps back and forth with time a lot. Yeah. And you and and there's a mistake in that people think he's robbing the bank because everybody saw him go in. He's taking pictures. He's still he's a huge star in, in Belgium. Yeah, they love him. And and so now they see him through the window moving equipment around because the, the people with the guns are making them block the windows. So they think he's robbing the bank. The press shows up. It becomes a very dog day afternoon esque yep. scene with the bank robbery with all the media there and the cops and everybody and this big spectacle type yep. thing. Yeah. Then it takes a turn. It it breaks the fourth wall. At one point he. 
He's very good in this. Yeah. I was surprised. He at one point he he sits down in a chair in the context of the scene, looks right at the camera, and the chair raises up off the set where it goes above. You see the lights. He goes basically yeah, into goes, the rafters. He, he almost he he ascends, you know. And then he's speaking to us, the audience. He has a whole long monologue about his life and how he started off as a young guy. He's a karate champion. He went to Hollywood. Couldn't speak any English. He basically made his career out of nothing with his own force of his will. Yeah. And now his life's falling apart, and he's got no money, and his, he lo- you know loves his daughter, but he won't, he can't ever see her. And it, it was a very moving. He starts crying in it. Yeah. It's very personal and very, um, like yeah, like yeah, yeah it was. Raw, I was raw. shocked. I was yeah. I was you know in my private screening shocked about myself. And then he goes back <laughs> down into the scene. The scene plays on, and, and then it wraps up. It doesn't wrap up the way you think it will. Yep. Although there's a funny little twist where he comes out of the bank. Um, and he beats everybody up in a Van Damme style, and the crowd cheers, and he puts his arms up, and he, he you know, he's like pounding his chest. And, and then it's, it's kind of like what what he wants to happen. And then it rewinds to what really happens, where he yeah. he ends up going to jail, <laughs> which is very unusual, very very unexpected from a person like that who's who's, who's only done action films, and it was I respected him a lot for doing it. it was it's very, funny you don't you don't expect these people you don't expect like these action films to have a. Not a sense of humor about themselves, but but it, it wasn't. But yeah, I mean, the thing was, there were there were moments that you laugh, but I don't think you were meant to. I mean, like I don't know, like it wasn't. There, a were, there were little bits of comedy. Yeah, there were little bits of humor, but it wasn't a comedy. It wasn't. Yeah. I guess to be that honest about themselves well, and open oh, themselves he was up totally, that much—that's yeah, what so, I mean. Yeah. It was. I mean, there was a guy in the, one of the bank robbers was like was a huge fan of his and was was being fanish around him. That was funny. Yeah, that he was, was baking him, teaching him how to kick cigarettes out of one of the guy's mouths. That was a very funny scene. And so when he tried to kick the guy in the head, and it, I mean, there was funny bits in it, but it was it was definitely drama and it was definitely hard. I mean. He got me. When he started crying, I was like, oh, man. Yeah, that was rough. It was good stuff. Um, from the area of very low-budget uh, guy who directed his own documentary, um, I wanted to mention Bigger, Stronger, Faster, which is a sort of documentary in the vein of like a, a Morgan Spurlock kind of thing. Um, this guy who has two brothers, and they all have experience with anabolic steroids. Yeesh. Um and it's it's a really interesting exploration of the idea of steroids and uh, what they mean, what it's like, how if if they should be illegal. Um, it's really like he goes around, he talks to a bunch of people who have experience with them. They talk about it in terms of baseball and the like, the experience of what you know. He talks to the guy who headed who headed the the congressman who headed the the hearings, right? You know, and the guy didn't know anything. Was it Waxman? Uh, it might have I mean, been not important. Not important. It, it, but he goes like he's in the guy's office, and the guy doesn't know anything. You're like, well, what were you, what were you heading this, this, you know, hearing for? If you don't know anything about it, um, and you know, it's the idea that there's all these bodybuilders and things, and and there's no way any of them look like that unless normal, yeah, they're unless normal. they're using steroids. Um, at one point, like they go to this guy, and I'm looking at him, going, he looks familiar, and I realize that he used to work on Battle Dome, which is a show I worked on a really long time ago. That's and, and like he's now he's like a fitness magazine model. Mm-hmm. So of course he's jacked up on steroids. And you know, there's this one guy. His he has two brothers, and they're both on steroids. One of them's like a power lifter. That's what he does. Like, and he goes to competitions and things. Um, and his wife like wants him on the steroids and then wants to take him off. And it's it's just this sort of it's really personal, but what it also was the looks point the larger of view? issue. Was it? Was it didn't really have one. It wasn't pro or anti. It was. It was talking about the different points of view from it, and at the end, I don't think that the filmmaker had decided what was what was the best idea, and so he couldn't really wrap it up. Um, what did you think? I don't know. It's good. I mean, I can see it both Josh ways. Is looking bigger like, if you want to see, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm getting. And he gets angry very quickly. I'm getting cut. <laughs> you know, but there was some. You know, there's like the one guy whose kid killed himself, and he says it was because of roid rage, and there's everybody. You know, everybody else says that's ridiculous. You know, some people will go through the entire thing without it. Lyle Alcedo, you know, died a horrible death. You know, but there's people who who use it who say that, 
you know, if you want to watch top level sports, this is what you'll have to deal with, you know, and, and what's so wrong with that, you know, it, it I gotta admit, it's been sad to watch all the uh, baseball players that we thought were so great earlier this decade. Suddenly suck. Well, that, suddenly get really small and suck. <laughs> well, that's the point. I mean, that's the point. Like, so what were you? How are you happier as watching baseball? Now I'm happier now. Yeah, that's cleaner. It's more realer. Yeah. If you watch, the, but if realer. you if you watch this and at least hear those other points of views, I find it very interesting because previously sure. I think I would have. I mean, I do think I stand on the just don't do it. You know, <laughs> just don't do it. Yeah, but <laughs> but it really puts a lot of things into perspective, and it was it was very interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Um, completely not related to steroids at all. Uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist uh, came out towards the end of the summer. With oh yeah, Sarah. cool. That that'd be really good for you. Okay. <laughs> um, this movie was right up my alley. It was you know kind of oh, yeah. High, high school, yeah yeah high school romance. Um, you know, based around you know a night in New York City, going to see a band, and it was very um, it was very reminiscent and reminded me of my childhood. You know, like again, like Milk, it was all shot in New York. Uh, there's a scene in Brooklyn that's on the way to your house. Right. I totally, you know, like totally recognize the. The exit on the BQE, and you know, like it was, it, it, it was a lot of fun. And Michael Sarah, goodness, you know, like um, it, it kind of fell a little short in my, in like, kind of what I wanted out of it. The band stuff was kind of cheesy. You know who was great in it was Jay Baruchel. Yes. Um, he played uh, the girl Cat Denning's um, boyfriend. Well, he was in the other one we're going to talk about, right? Jay Baruchel yeah. was in. Um, he was in Tropic Thunder. Yeah, he was in Tropic right, Thunder. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he was, yeah. he's getting he's to be right. good. Yeah, he's, yeah, he was undeclared yep. originally. Remember? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but he he played her boyfriend who was in a who's in like an Israeli Jewish band, and he's trying to get her dad to sign a new label, and it was just it was very funny. Um, I don't know, the movie was great. It was just and Michael Sarah was doing his Michael Sarah thing. You know, <laughs> it was really good. Gonna ride that train. <laughs> well, speaking of Jay Burchell, Tropic Thunder was was this is the last one we're gonna talk about, and it everyone seems to think this was the best comedy of the year, and I don't know if that's true. It was really good. I don't know if it was the best comedy. This there. was a perfect example of one that I thought was very funny at the end and very funny at the beginning, and in the middle I was looking yeah. at my watch. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, it, you know, maybe that's because Ben Stiller was in it. I think the standouts... <laughs> in, I hate Ben Stiller. He was okay in this. That's, that's fine. So what were your standouts for? Standouts are obviously, you got to go with Robert Downey Jr., who was incredible, very funny, created a character I have never thought of before. Right. A man like he's Russell Crowe. I mean, but you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean that's what he is. But but a guy who's living his life is black, and there's just so many jokes around that. You see, you know. everybody was talking about uh, Tom Cruise's. Turn. I thought he was well, great. I was about to say he was great, but for me, it was Matthew McConaughey. I love Matthew McConaughey. He, he was very. He was great. He, he was, was so yeah yeah, and he, he sort of humble like he, he kept like bringing himself down. Yeah. But no, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I hate Tom Cruise, but yeah. I thought he was he was great. Well, I didn't know it was him when it started. Right. Like, see, what's so funny was I knew he was in it, right. and I knew he was. Playing a part that was almost unrecognizable, and when, still when I saw it, it took me two scenes to, to yes, pick same, him out. Same thing, same thing. Yep. Like I knew it was coming, but still didn't catch right. it. But so where did it falter then? I got bored in the middle. Yeah, it was the too story long. was too long. The story was yeah. kind of dumb. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was like all these great ideas, but like the whole time that they're like prisoners and they're making him perform, it was just like. There's two. Yeah, Pineapple Express was another movie that suffered from that. That mm-hmm. was initially as a stoner comedy, it was really funny, but then it became an action movie and then got became too long. It was a like half yeah. an hour too long. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I found I really enjoyed, and I had some big belly laughs. But at the same time, I was just like, "All right, you know." Yeah, no, let's, it was, there was great stuff in it. I think it was some really good concepts. It wasn't necessarily a great story, but you know, there's worse ways to spend a, a DVD rental. So if, if Russell, if if Downey was Russell Crowe and Jack Black was Chris Farley, who was Ben Stiller? Ben Stiller. See, I thought Ben Stiller was Tom Cruise, which I thought was yeah. interesting. Like to me, I was like, "He's Tom Cruise right yeah, there," right. Yeah. and which made the Tom Cruise thing all the more. Uh, I don't want to say courageous. I had a lot of respect for him because he was he he. At this point, he's got to do it. 
plus his role was out there. I mean, when he did, he, the whole it was him dancing. Yeah. I mean, right. No, he he uh, he he owned it. Like yeah. he didn't half-ass it, and that's why I really appreciated it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that yep. was, yeah. That movie hits you with I mean, the vulgarity was, in the face from the get go. He was Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, big time. Yeah. yeah, he was Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't like Tom Cruise is big enough that he doesn't need Harvey Weinstein. See, so ten years ago that. we couldn't we couldn't have said that, but now that Harvey Weinstein's got no power. Yeah, he can't because he wouldn't do um, So that was the year in movies. Um, saw a whole bunch of other ones, but these are the ones that really stood out for us. Um, I don't know. I like going to and we did we did special edition podcasts on all the comic book movies, so you can go back and listen to those. Yep. Should they you all so still desire. hold up? I've seen almost all of them again. They're all still good. Yeah. Uh, let I us. Saw Iron Man last night actually. It holds up strong. Okay, sorry. Uh, let let us continue to uh, television. Television. TV. Television. The near and dear to my heart. The most the most comic book like of of media. The last last year on this show we talked about the emergence of Mad Men, and this was season two. This was the year of Mad Men. Now you're you're on board. Oh yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I haven't watched season two yet, but I watched season one. Season well two was interesting. Season two was very, I thought, different tonally from season one, whereas one was was almost a true ensemble. Mm-hmm. Two was very much an exploration of Don Draper and Peggy and Peggy to a lesser extent. Yeah, I guess I can see that. I really enjoyed it. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying it was different in tone. Like it shifted. I, 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 it's, it's but again, I found myself it's, missing the sort of office bantery stuff that was going on. I think, it. again, it's, I think that they'd set everything up and it was like, okay, now let's get moving with, with, what we're, with the story we're here to tell. Right. I, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes I enjoy something so much that I, I lose the ability to criticize it. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Oh, I love Mad Men. Believe me. There's, there's, no, I know, I know, but like, something hits a point where it clicks and I go, I'm just enjoying this and I'm along for the ride. And my, my, my critical faculties are no longer... Uh, available to me, you know, and, and if it's got problems, I don't really notice. I What's don't fascinating about Mad Men is is with the emergence of the show, at least in critical popular, it's still not barely a million, two million people watching. Yeah, is that the more we learn about John Hamm, mm-hmm. the more you realize how brilliant he is as Don Draper. I, 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 I want to say like he was the best Saturday Night Live host I've seen in forever, and I only say that in comparison to the the job that he does on Mad Men. Like, it makes it that much more apparent. That's what's amazing. You see him, it'd be very funny on this one show, and then you go, and he's totally serious and very effective. As- he, he, he owns you with a look. You know what I mean? Like, he, he just, it's, it's amazing. This guy that, you know, no one had ever heard of two years ago. And didn't Pete become somewhat sympathetic this season? Was sort that my crazy? Middle of the road. No, he was still a dick. I mean, he, right. you know, he, like, if, if you're his wife, if you're Trudy, Pete's not sympathetic. Yeah, well, but Trudy's also awful. So. Pete is the the embodiment of the fifties man mm-hmm. in this in in the show. Still, I mean, they're in nineteen sixty three at this yeah. point. They skipped past the assassination, did they? Yeah, yeah. He's still the fifties man in the 60s. No, they're not past the. They're at it. I think. Well, either way, they're they're not. I think they they're in the Cuban it. Missile Crisis. Yes, yes, that was where we we yep. left off. So the assassination hasn't happened. They're gonna have yet. to skip it because they can't. That'll that'll dominate the show if they yeah. if deal with I that. I think they said that. I think yeah. I've heard that interview. But uh, um, still, one of my favorite shows of the year. Still one of the crazy <laughs> California episode. Fantastic! Like, that was a fantastic episode. It's just like a Viscount <laughs> with a with a pencil thin mustache. It was just Don was goes craziness. to California to, to try to get some, the space sales you know, to rep yeah. the space companies and ends up. He just, just leaves. He just walks out and ends up just meeting a girl at the pool, goes back with her and has an adventure with, like... Ro- <laughs> like her, her European royalty family. Like, it's yeah. just crazy. And, like, one of the things about the season was it was the big moves. Like, you know, like, uh, Betty kicks him out. Yeah. And they stuck with it the whole time. Oh, you know what was great? It was the whole takeover with Duck. <gasps> oh, Duck. Duck. I forgot all oh. about that. They, the guy that, that Don's always shitting on in the, in the company engineers a hostile takeover of, the, of that agency and it blows up in his face somewhat. 
mm-hmm. which was a great moment in the in the, when he thinks I'm he's, not under contract. He thinks he's got Don under his thumb, and Don just says, "What, what the fuck? I'm Don Draper," and then he goes, "Ah, oh, I'm never gonna." Yeah, win. it really is like it was, every episode was incredibly satisfying. Yep. That's that's the best you can you can say about it. Great news that it's back, although Matt Weiner still hasn't signed it for it. All right, let's uh, let's change tone entirely. Apparently, so when news broke last spring that they were working on a nine hundred two and revival from the CW for this the fall of 09, of oh eight, what was my you remember what was my initial reaction? Oh no, especially when I saw the 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 kind of package that was at the upfronts. But then they did something very very clever. Yeah, they brought you right in. Brought Jenny Garth on board. They brought in Jenny Garth and, and Shannon Doherty to limited extent. Exactly. They weren't doing anything. When that first sh- when that first episode aired and I heard the new 21st century version of the theme song, I cringed. And when I saw the other character, the new characters come in, I cringed. I hate Rob Estes, the, the dad. I love him. I don't like him. And um, Are you watching when, this? We'll get to that. When Jenny Garth oh. came on, it all felt okay. <laughs> for some reason, I've, I've tried to keep up with her career. No other role has she had that's been as good as Kelly Taylor. Um, she's been on a bad sitcom, things like that. But when she's Kelly Taylor, it's like it's the role she was born to play. I want to escape this room so badly. Well, it's funny because I, I didn't, I never really watched the first one. I watched a handful of episodes, but it was so all over the place. It was the zeitgeist, and I wanted yeah. to, to see it. And then I, I watched the first one. And I was like, oh, this wasn't that bad. And then I just put it on my DVR. What's great, what's great is so now, so I'm in California, you're in New York. I get texts like before I've watched it. Ooh, that that, that, that was crazy. That would never happen. Like commentary from. Con- He's watching it, which makes it even better. And the thing is, now as we're halfway through the season, it's not that bad. In it's fact, not that it's bad. It's actually pretty good. It's and a solid w, uh, it's CW, a solid CW drama. show, yeah. And, and it's picking up kind of where in the same vibe as the OC somewhat. Most um, of the cast is pretty charming. They're good yeah, at their roles. The girl who plays Silver is the one who I like the best. She's you know she's good, kind of sarcastic, of course. The sarcastic brunette. You know, yeah. I mean, like right up my alley. Um, but all in all, it's it hasn't been the train wreck that I thought it was going to be. No, it certainly had a train wreck. Yeah. No. And, that and, sounds like something I want to spend my time on. And they balance they balance the um, the 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 fact that it's in continuity with the original series, um, but also in introducing new characters and new storylines, so it's not bogged down by it. You know, like they go to the new Peach Pit and there's Nat every now and then, yeah. but it's not like Nat Nat Nat. You know, like it's well, the first um, couple shows were like that. A little well, bit. they had to, yeah. yeah. They eased us in, and then you see what they did was they eased me in, and then they, they, they got, switched they, you. They made, no, but then it wasn't a switch. It wasn't a switch. I, they baited me. Well, cause it kind of yeah. is, because cause Shannon Doherty's not coming back after a Honestly, while. Honestly, she looked like a, a drag queen. Right, like, right. I, I, the less I saw Shannon Doherty, the better. And she, Jenny Garth's Jenny not, Garth looks fine. She's not a, she's, no, she's not a regular one. I mean, it's, yeah, eventually so, she's going to go away. Right. It's gonna be but, the, you know, Jason Priest is going to direct an episode this spring. We know that the baby, her baby is Dylan's baby. Like, it's all laid out for us. So, it's fine. It's a fun way to enjoy Tuesday evening. We're all fine here. Josh? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, for Josh, you're more superior. I phased. I phased out completely. <laughs> Sometimes a new show will come out, and I will watch the first episode, and I don't want to have to start watching a new show. So I will put up very high standards, and I'm like, I'm not watching this. I didn't really like the first time I watched 30 Rock, so I ignored it for a couple of years. Cool uh, years? No, it's only been out for three. <laughs> three seasons. I ignored the first two seasons. Well, you came on in the middle of last year, so you ignored it for, you ignored it for about a year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, either way, right. it's my favorite new show. It's awesome. I, my favorite comedy by, 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 by yeah, I, I've got to say it's 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 starting to beat everything else that I was enjoying. It, not that I have to rank things, but uh, I've I've honestly I've never I don't know if I know of a character outside of Arrested Development who's made me laugh more than Alec Baldwin. Yep, Jack uh, more than Jack Donahue. Um, and I love I absolutely love the relationship between him and um, Liz Lemon in that it's they it, there's no is this going to get romantic? No, there's no romantic. It is not. It, but it's affection. It's real affection. Um, 
and, you know, at the same, so that that's actually feels real, but at the same time, it's really funny. But it's really funny, just short of being absurd. Like it's it, it's not quite absurd. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a line. Um, oh, well, I, I I I said this last year on Thursday nights at DVR, like nine hours of TV, something super ridiculous. But Thirty Rock is the first thing I watch mm-hmm. always. I thought this season, the beginning, they got in a bit of a misstep in that they're trying so desperately to draw viewers in. And the first the three or four episodes were were Jack, Liz, and the guest star. And well, you didn't see any of the other cast, really. See, I said that, too, but then I was looking at some of the older episodes, and they have, they've had a lot of guest stars on this show. They so have, it's but not they usually integrated them all with the cast. Yeah. Where, like, you know, when they had David Schwimmer, he, he was with everybody in the cast. Right. Whereas this time, it's been like, when Steve Martin came on, mm-hmm. it was just them three. Yeah. Like, they even did an interview with one of They were like, what was it like to work with Steve Martin? So we never met him. Like, they never... They, right. And... The best, I mean, they weren't bad. They were, it was just a weird vibe because the rhythm was a bit off. Yeah, I do feel like they're they're trying desperately Jennifer to get Jennifer Aniston, I thought was really funny. I thought she was a, she was very she was funny. A good foil with with Jack. And I can talk about I think the end of the second season because those all aired this year too, um, where where like Carrie Fisher was on one. She, and was, she fantastic. was just spectacular. Um, There's literally so many funny things that 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 has happened on it. That, but after the first three or four, they've gone back to the ensemble. Yep, and it's been it's been fantastic. It's been yeah. great. It's my I, favorite comedy easily. Yeah, I'm just I'm really glad that. I, I, However I'm much longer it stays in the air with no viewers. Yeah. <laughs> one Emmys. Bi- one big Emmys. surprise. Yeah, like a Arrested Development. One big surprise was uh, HBO's True Blood. HBO's been floundering. HBO used to be the, the, the big name for drama, Sopranos, Deadwood. They haven't had. They they pass on Mad Men. You know yeah. they they don't. They haven't had good development. <laughs> so True Blood is announced from the creators of Six Feet Under. It's a vampire show. I'm not, you know, I'm not overly a vampire fan, but I like I like I like the first four seasons of Six Feet Under a lot. So I checked it out, and I know Josh did as well. This is a rare show that got better every single week mm-hmm. to the very end. At the beginning, the first episode, I was on the fence. I was like, I don't know if the first I want to keep was, watching was, this. I don't think they got the tone in the first episode. They, no. they, they, they didn't balance the campy with the serious. Mm-hmm. And by but by the end, well, by the end, I was pretty pretty wow. down with it. There was one thing is this: there was a lot of really interesting characters mm-hmm. and actors, which are sort of interchangeable. Um, what's his name? The uh, Sarsgaard, uh, the guy who was in oh, Generation Kill, yeah. mm-hmm. who played like the head vampire. I love that guy. Yeah. Like every time he shows up, I was like, and and at first I was like, that's he looks ridiculous, but you you get used to it. Um, the girl who plays uh, the best friend. Um, I don't know her name either, but she's, she's great. great. She's like un- she's unlike anybody else on TV. Um, the setup for True Blood is it's, it's a town in Louis- small town Louisiana. There's vampires. There's werewolves. Uh, the main character, Diana Paquin, is a, is a psychic or a telepath, and it, it, it's, it's just sort of accepted. And vampires are open. Pe- pe- people know they exist. They self self synthetic blood, so theoretically they don't have to they don't have to eat people. And they're fighting for fighting for equal rights. They want to be able to get married. It's sort of an <laughs> allegory. But it's but then there's a whole big murder mystery. Somebody's killing all the women in the town and. And there's, the vampires may not, may have fake blood, but they still like to kill people sometimes. The bad ones are still pretty evil. Yeah. And so it could be very, very, very bloody at times. Mm-hmm. Almost shockingly so for a television show. And very violent. And it's very sort of sexy. Lots of nudity and sex. and mm. But... Literally better every week. It's better, just you know. Yeah, the I think tone the, gelled. The actors got better with the characters. I think that, I think that that's really the story of it. Is that it, like every week I was like, at first I was on the fence, and then I was like, that's yeah, pretty good. And then by the end, I was like, this is I'm really enjoying this. And amazingly enough, according to what I've read, every week the viewership went up, hmm. which is un- well, they norm- from the second yeah, issue, the second yeah. episode was when they announced that they had signed a second season, which was amazing because the ratings were r- ridiculously low for the first episode. Yeah, they I mean, were really low. Well, because I think they realized that they needed to invest in it, and, and it's the kind of thing like look at Mad Men. 
Well, I, I think what's Mad- funny is when I did the Madman show, I kept running Mad Men. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, Ma- you know, Mad Men. I said this was the year of it because the second season, but this is when everybody noticed it. Right. You know? Not so. by everybody, you mean 140,000 people. Right, yeah. I mean, the audience is a drop in the yeah. bucket. Just like 30 Rock, the audience is, is, I mean, it's not even the top 100. Yeah. Um, so uh, a show on ABC, a rare show on ABC that, that premiered this year was Life on Mars, was which was um, based on, uh, which is an American version of a British show. Now, I've never seen the British show. Yeah. Everyone I've spoke to who's seen, who's seen it said it's fantastic and it's superior than the American one. I'm waiting till this one gets canceled. <laughs> go back and watch the British yeah, I'm as well. Um, because the thing is, I don't think the American version is that bad. It's really um, fun. It's really good. It takes place. So the idea is that it's a cop in in 2008 who gets uh, gets hit by a car, gets knocked out, wakes up in 1973. And he's himself, and he's got ID, and, and he's a cop, and he shows up, and he starts working in this new precinct that's run by Harvey Keitel, and Michael Imperioli is another director. Who's fantastic. And, yeah, and for me, what this show is, this show is a combination of watching every week Harvey Keitel and Michael Imperioli, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. and then New York in, in the early 70s. And I really like filming. Jason Mara, too. Yeah, well, I don't really they film like it here. In a different way. Like, here. In this neighborhood. Yeah, no, a lot. Film, no, I know. They film it in New York City. No, no, in, like, up the street. they right. I've had to park on the other. I was at the other room for the show a lot. Yeah, um, no, I believe it. And, Jerks. And what's great is that they, the set dressing and the props and everything are great. Gretchen Mall mm-hmm. is fantastic, and it just it's. A, I mean, admittedly, it's very. Uh, as a New Yorker, I enjoy it's it. Some, it's somewhat, somewhat quantum leapy. It's, it's somewhat a little science fictiony, a little because the whole the whole mystery is that why is he in 1973? Is it time travel? Is he crazy? Is he dying? Is he in a coma? He's in a coma in 2008, and for whatever reason. Well, we don't know that. That's true. Well, they keep they keep on having these little flashes of, of Bush. Except yeah, but except for the, the last episode, someone yeah. told him that that he's being. St- Sent for this. I don't know what happened in the British show. I don't want to know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't want to know. Either. And I don't know if they're following that or not. Right. But nobody tell us either. But so. it's not clear. Yeah, but he could be in a coma. He's probably in a coma. But again, they've they're sowing seeds of doubt. Yeah, but that said, it, it's engaged me, and you know, Harvey Keitel, Michael Imperioli on a weekly basis. There's a lot of dialogue that Imperioli has that only Imperioli could pull off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I wanted to mention uh, Saturday Night Live, and it's funny is that Saturday Night Live has gotten a lot of play because of Tina Fey as uh, Sarah Palin, which was all fine and well and good and everything. But I find it around it, I've been enjoying Saturday Live more this year than I have in a really long time. And I think that uh, part of that is I just think it's a really strong cast of, of, of writers and, and people. Um, even Keenan is getting funny. I don't know yes. how that happened. Um, but anytime Will Forte does anything, I laugh. <laughs> uh, I think Andy Samberg... Is finding I think Bill Hader is hilarious. I think Kristen Wiig is 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 a standout at this point. Um, just a lot of really funny people on the show. And for a really long time, oddly enough, I think through Tina Fey's tenure as head writer, they had a real writing problem. Yeah. yeah. Like they didn't know how to end sketches. They would find but a never gag. Never end sketches though. Yeah, yeah but like, I mean, it's been better. I mean, like it used to be just every single time. Saturday I think Night Live is a conundrum because every season the call goes out for the show to get killed. Yeah. Every season they say the show is not funny. Every season they say they don't know how to end this in the show. And then you always, and they've been saying that for twenty years. And then you always get the Saturday Live got funny again. Yeah. People too. Which Mm-hmm. Thing. And like, and it's also because Saturday Night Live for me at least because I don't watch it. And if you don't, if you're from America, Saturday Night Live is a late night comedy sketch show on Saturday nights, which has been around since 1975. Five. And a bit of an institution. And almost every major American comedian you can think of in movies has come from Saturday Night Live. And I don't, I don't watch it on a weekly basis. If anything, I watch sketches on Hulu every now and then. That's really all I do. Um, but for me, it's been defined by the whole um, digital short thing. Um, and so it's interesting to see that the show has been, you know... Well, the, the thing that I would say is over the past couple of years, those have been on and those have been very funny. Yeah. Um, but 
the difference between the reason I'm bringing it up is now is the difference between now and before is that I TiVo it and I usually watch it on Sunday morning because um, I'm old and uh, I would fast forward through it and I'd go to certain parts where I'd watch sketches for a little bit I find myself fast forwarding through many many less sketches yeah. um, and we'd mentioned the John Hamm episode earlier yep. that was that was the best episode of that show that I've seen in such a long time and I don't know it's because I love Mad Men that much no he was lot. very funny legitimately. but everything he did like the the butts uh, uh, sketches were like and he played. Uh, Don Draper a couple of times, and yeah. they were both different but really funny. Um, it was very good. No, it's been, it's been fantastic. I have it on my DVR as well. I, I you know, I try, I'm usually doing something Saturday night, but I always watch it. Right. I want to talk about a show that is one of those sa- summertime shows. Psych. It's there's a whole slate of shows in the USA Network that are summertime, like Monk, Psych, Burn Notice, in, in Plain Sight. And these are not shows that are like going to change your life. They're not shows that are make you re-examine the human condition. They're just really funny and they're really charming and they're usually mysteries that are not that hard to figure out, but you don't watch it for the mysteries. You watch it because this, this cast is very engaging. Psych co-stars Charlie from the West Wing, who if you watch this show and then watch West Wing, it's completely different. Hmm. He is over-the-top, goofy, physical comedian Psych, and that is not at all what Charlie is in the West no. Wing. So it's, it's kind of a revelation to see he's got a huge amount of range, but of all those summertime light fairs, Psych is my favorite comedy. It makes me laugh. I think they're the the two guys, the main stars are the two, James Roday and, and Charlie. I know he's Charlie. That's the only yeah. name I can think of. Uh, are the, they are the best buddy comedy duo on television. The show I discovered this year that's, that's, that is new to me but not new to anybody else in the world yeah. is uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's a great show. Um, it's in this, it went into season four this year. I've been catching up on Hulu. Um, and it is probably the funniest show I've seen in, in ages. Um, very daring. Yeah, very, yeah. It's on FX on on cable, and it, it's very. You know, they curse. They say, you know, they say dick asshole, all this kind of Shit. stuff. You know, um, Danny DeVito is genius in it, mm-hmm. and it's just like there there have been moments that I have been quoting and replaying and finding the clips online and laughing at work with friends and stuff like that over and over, like consistently. And so you know, like it's real. It's, Really it is a show Such that, to the point that people avoid Ron's desk now. <laughs> no, hey, have you seen this? Yes, Ron, we saw the clip. It is a show where anytime you think, wow, they're not going to go there, they go there. Yeah. And yeah, then they usually exactly. go further. Yeah, exactly. That's what's great about it. And the, and the, fact, the fact that also a lot of the timing and the beats and stuff yep. like that, like I just love how they, they follow the same formula, mm-hmm. you know, where the show begins and then it ends with the little thing and then you get the title card. And yep. just like, and they're, they're these little 20 minute nuggets of, of hilarity. And the performers are also the writers and the producers, so it's yeah. all very. It's all, you can tell that they're all putting everything into it. And Charlie Day is my hand down my yep. favorite. He is, he is the fu- he is hysterical. Nobody gets yeah. angrier, funnier than he does. There was the the one the one episode that from season four that got me the most. Which I was in a hotel room at like one thirty in the morning. I put it on when uh, Charlie and Mac got jobs to get they needed insurance, and so they went and got jobs. And Charlie got a job in the mailroom at this big office. And he's just incompetent and not doing well. And then he divide, he goes crazy and devises this whole plot in his head that nobody actually works at the company. And it was just this great monologue that he did about Pepe Sylvia and the mail, which like for literally for weeks we were dying over. It was just great. It's a very yeah. it's a very strong comedy. Yeah, really, really good. Uh, another show that not a lot of people have probably mentioned because it's on uh, Showtime is Californication with uh, David Duchovny. It's a show about a writer in Los Angeles who sort of got an off-again, on-again relationship with the mother of his child, um, who's, ne- ne- uh, what's her name, uh, Natasha McElone? I don't uh, know oh, it. yes. Yeah, her. Um, and uh, this show is just remarkably enjoyable. 
I mean, I, I sort of started watching the first season just because I was like, well, I'll check this out. And I found my, it's not great, you know what I mean? But like, there's something about, it's got this charm and it's one of those things where like, Duchovny is so it's good. It's hard to not like Duchovny. Yeah, I've always liked Duchovny. Uh, no, I mean like he's, and, and you know, like he was good in the TV set. Like yeah. he's really good. In the, he's a completely different character in this and it's really sexy, but it's also funny. It's, it's, it'll get a little goofy, but it's, there's a lot of really funny standout characters in this. Um, this season, the second season that that's going on right now, um, the guy who plays uh, Leoben, the 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 Cylon, yes, plays a guy named Lou Ashby who is a music producer. Um, like he's like uh, like a Rick Rubin kind of like a, a mogul. He's like every he's done every album and everything. He's so good. I mean, like, and it's a, again, it's a completely different character. Uh, it's it's just I, I really dig the show. Well, it's a Showtime show that that one of the shows that's helping the luster off of HBO. Oh yeah, right? this and Weeds, yeah. the two things you know they're they're both great shows. Um, it's been one of my favorite discoveries. The guy who played um, the bald dude from Sex and the City, yep. yeah, he's in this as as, as uh, Evan yeah. Handler. Yeah, he's uh, he's the agent, um, and he he's hilarious. Showtime's been between this Weeds and Dexter. Everybody loves Dexter. Everybody yeah. Has, uh, uh, I've seen all those. Dexter would be at the bottom of that li- li- the, um, yeah, of that list. Like I mean, no, I know. I'm just uh, the thing uh, is, HBO doesn't have shows that anybody talks about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, Beyond uh, True Blood this yeah. year, they don't. No, Californication. Uh, you know, like it's like a, they're like 12 episode seasons. The f- the first set of DVDs for the first season is is relatively cheap, or you get them off. Uh, it's two discs on on Netflix. Seriously, check the show out. It's it's a ton of fun. Uh, not if you're uh, sensitive to the graphicness. Um, isn't he a sex addict playing a sex addict isn't that what the show oh yeah is? No, that's, oh yeah no, that's real life it's, no it's, it's the same yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Entourage but people I don't like Entourage this is better than Entourage yeah no but I'm just saying people I feel like Entourage is a forced buzz yeah like I, they're really because they've got nothing else uh, I wanted to talk about Oz no this is not the show from 1996 um, <laughs> Burn Notice is another one of those summer shows but the reason why I love Burn Notice is a show about a CIA agent that was fired which is what they, they're called burnt, they're burned by the CIA and they're just dumped on this show is fantastic simply because Bruce Campbell plays ex, a boozy ex-CIA agent. And he is hilarious every week. He yeah. is the perfect... really good things about him and the show. The show's great because it's, it's, it's a throwback to like those 80s action shows where it's yeah. just... I mean, it's, it's not self-referential. It's not ironic. It's just an action show. And, he's yeah. a, and the main guy's CIA it's agent. It's on USA, right? It's on USA. Yeah. But Bruce Campbell is his, is his sidekick. And he is just always drunk, always looking for a lady. He's, yeah. always, he's wearing a loud shirt because they're in Miami. He's always, it's always open. Yeah. And he's... He's but he's also super competent because he's he's a, he's a CIA agent. So he's he's just he has found his niche. He's like this is like tailor made role for Bruce Campbell, and he's just does he ever get anything that's not tailor made? No, I mean it's not like he's like oh I'm getting out of my comfort zone this time. Yeah. But all, he I mean every joke he has he just nails and yeah. he is just hilarious. Cool. So um so this is the last season. Of, la 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 la. <laughs> this is the last season of ER and um, can't believe they killed Doug Ross. It was and, so sad. And I don't think I'm gonna make it. Already, we're like halfway. We're like about halfway through, yeah. Halfway through, and there have already like at least three. Or four I've times. broken down three or four times. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been because what they're doing is that they are they're 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 progressing the the current cast stories well. Yep. I mean, but then they're signing off people. They're signing people off or having people come back and like uh, and like there was an episode that flashed that explained Angela Bassett has come on as the new head of the ER. And they, they did a flashback episode explaining her relationship with the ER, and it goes back to when Mark Green was alive. And so we got Mark Green again. And it was just like, oh, you're killing me. It's like, don't... And it was, it was, it was, 
it was Mark Greenwald. He was sick. Yeah. Oh, it was just. Oh, it was, it was so, yeah. It was so <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. And not only Mark Greenwald, we had a couple of we had a couple of side characters that have left since then that episode as well. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like four people came back at once. There was yeah. There was it was November. Romano so was in it, and like yeah. Jerry was in it, and, and but has, has Doctor Dave come back yet? No, not Doctor Dave. Um, Good, but, but they've had a bunch of. I mean, there's just been a you bunch know who of emotional. Josh, I were talking. They got to bring back Randy. Yes. They don't bring back Randy. I'll be Randy would only show up once every two seasons anyway. <laughs> like she's never been gone. But um, uh, and and stuff that's happened to the current cast, which I don't want to ruin for Josh, so we won't. Um, the beginning of the season was just it was it would rip your heart out. It was just, it, 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 this is the one show where you'll because again Thursday night I've got so much TV I'm watching till three in the morning. You'll find me at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Sniffling on my couch. I can't. I, I have a hard time imagining a life without ER. Yeah. It's gonna be. It's gonna be tough after this year. Yeah. So. So it's been such a good run for yeah, an, I, I it's an amazing it. run. I've been there since season two. I want to briefly pop over to the other side of the pond. I hate that phrase. Um, I want to talk about uh, Peep Show, which is a show that airs in the UK. That's still going on? Yeah, yeah. In May there was a, a fifth series that that, that played, um, and uh, you can't get it here, so uh, it's too fig- risky. Figure that one out. Uh, no, they, I think they aired some of them on, on um, BBC, UK, or BBC America, but they edited the hell out of them. Exactly, it's too risque. And, and, and they released the first series, which is six episodes on DVD, but that was a long time ago, and I think they're like 10 bucks for those, which makes <laughs> me think that they're not going to do any more, so I say get it any way you can. Um, <laughs> nudge, nudge. Well, it, this is like one of the funniest shows that I've ever seen, and it's you about love these. Show. I love this show because it's so. What it is is it's these two guys. It's, it's you know it's the odd couple. There's there's the there's the button down uh, Nebishi dude, and then there's the guy who who wants to be a, a Mitchell musician. Webb, right? Yeah, it's Mitchell and Mitchell and Robert Webb. Um, or is that reversed? I don't remember. Um, and you, you you see it from their point of view. Basically, all the camera shots are from the from the eyes of one of those two characters for the most part and you also hear their inner monologue all the time and like the characters just basically end up saying all of the horrible things that you think all the time but you don't say out loud you know just whatever your first instinct is whatever your most selfish base instinct of something is like they'll present something to to jeremy like like the guy's mother will be hitting on him and he'll be like am i gonna do this yeah i am (laughs) well it's gonna be all right and that's, you know, um, basically the first part of the whole show was Mark had been chasing this girl and then he gets married to her and then, like, it doesn't work out at the end. So this is the this fifth season series is him uh, being back single again. And so the whole se- he keeps meeting girls and falling deeply in love with all of them immediately and it, it goes really badly. The show is incredibly crass, but really, 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 really funny. It's one of my favorites. I'm upset that, like, nobody sees it, so I can't right. uh, share it with anybody. Love it. That's all. We had two high-profile high endings this season. Two shows went off the air. First was The Shield. We're going to talk about the second one after in a bit. The Shield ended its seventh season? Or was it eighth season? They did like those half-season yeah. things, so it's hard to count. It's been I a think while. Seven. This was an extremely satisfying ending. Yes. Basically, you had... The Shield has been a, a show about corrupt cops in Los Angeles... Killing people, stealing, whatever it took to make money, and, and who were still trying to fight crime at the same time. They weren't totally evil, but they were... Yes. I mean, they were still protecting the streets, but also taking their taste. You get a little taste. And so uh, Michael Chiklis was the, was the star. He won an Emmy for his portrayal of Vic Mackey. The first season. The first season. After, after that, apparently, the, the Academy forgot they existed. Yeah. Uh, like every other good show on TV. The Wire, Oz, Deadwood. Um, wow. This was just... Uh, <laughs> It's been a harrowing journey. It's been a, it was an extremely tense season, and it, and it ended very 
I, unexpectedly, but also satisfying. I thought the I thought they ended the series, the season as a whole. If the first chunk of them, I was a, I was I wasn't loving. Um, but once they got up to speed and f- I figured out where they were going, and maybe that was it. Um, for a while, it felt like they were just running the motions of these characters, like they just sort of run through a scene and be like, oh, "I gotta go somewhere else," and then they go. Um, but by the end, they they knock you on your ass. Yeah. I mean, there's, there was no other way to put it. The the, the acting that Michael Chiklis did in the last two episodes was incredible. Was in, was it was incredible? I you, mean, you you the, the the debate for the whole show has been: Is Vic Mackey a bad guy? Like, is because people would fall yep. for him because he was so charming. Yes. And he was a bad guy, but you'd forget that. But in the last two episodes, oh yeah, he's a fucking bad yeah, guy. Like, yeah. that, like they reaffirmed it. They really, they really shoved it down your throat. That mm-hmm. he is this guy does not deserve redemption. No, um, you know. Besides him, I thought uh, I don't remember the actor's name, but Ronnie. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a guy who started off as an extra, basically glorified he was, extra. He was a non-speaking extra. Um, and and I mean, he became his character became the most competent of all the police on the show. Um, he started as not speaking extra, became a full time full time cast member by mm-hmm. the end, and very important. He and, was Sean Ryan's best friend, right? And, and was only an extra because they needed somebody, and he said, well, "Yeah, you be, you're my friend. You'd be an extra on the show." And became a full. He was he was good by the end. He was fantastic by the end, and and his He's character the one got, that got screwed the his most. His character got completely fucked, and and that's amazing. I thought uh, Dutch. All those stories are really interesting. I like that. Um, well, they never finished Julian's story, which is one of the things that always bugged me. But I heard, I read about the reasons for that. And I get it, and it makes sense, but they they gave you a little nod to it, you yeah. know, and they said this isn't over for these people. It's just you got to move on with the story. Um, and, and they it, found a way to punish Vic Mackey that was so unexpected. Yep, it was totally unexpected, and really, like I, I was like, that's really satisfying. That's that works for me. I was very happy with the end. And I think what it was is that the last couple seasons, so many times at the end of the episode, you would stand up and go, ah. Yeah. And this beginning of the season, I wasn't feeling like that. But by the end, I was doing that again. Yep, yep, yep. Like where you literally you scream out loud at the television for what has just happened. <laughs> um, yeah, that was fantastic. But this is this is one of the great shows. So, I mean, yep. So one of the shows that uh, Connor and I continue to watch that probably should end um, soon is Smallville. <laughs> what are you on the nineteenth season now? Uh, no, it's eight. Eight season. Season eight. eight season. And basically, it's continuing uh, the inching towards his destiny as Superman. Yeah, that's um, debatable. And we have that debate on iFanboy every week. This year, well, no, but this year, but no, if you look at it from a high level, this year he took the job. At the no, no, no. What I mean is, there's a debate whether or not he could possibly even be Superman because at this point, yeah, he's running around in his civilian clothes all the time, yeah. fighting crime. Exactly. Everyone has seen his face, knows what he does. Yeah. As as the director Tad Stones, who comes to our website, says, at this point he can't be Superman because right. if he put the suit on, everybody would know who he was. They'll, they'll, oh, it's that guy. Then yeah. he's 35. But uh, well, that's, that's the other problem. Um, he's our and age. And then what was funny is that for years I've been calling for the death of Chloe, and as opposed to getting a death, we get a mind wipe, and she forgets his his, his well, that he has powers. This season's been interesting because. This was the season. At the end of last season, they lost. They lost the executive producer creators of the show, yep. and they lost the best actor and the best character in Lex Luthor. Michael right. Rosenbaum this was the actor, and he left the show. So everyone assumed, "Oh, this they're screwed." I thought creatively, it's been a resurgence because they haven't been relying on the whole Lex dynamic. They've been yeah. able to explore more things, yep. and apparently, ratings-wise, the numbers have gone up. Really? So yeah. no, it's not awful. It's not. And the thing is, I enjoy watching it. I, I and they actually pulled off Doomsday, which they was. They did. I gotta give them credit for that. I, when I heard one, and it was funny because I was talking to my friend, and he saw, he'd see it. He's like, "No, they pulled off Doomsday." I'm like, no. And I watched it. Like, crap, they really did. Like, he even looked like Doomsday, and it was fine. It was like really good. I don't understand. Um, 
So, like it literally does not compute. Um, so yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I enjoy, I do enjoy watching it, and part of it is is the cringing and the screaming at the TV, and, and I can't believe they did that. And that's all part of it. And, and you've love, been there all along. And I love Green Arrow. And, and, yeah, it's know. amazing to watch a show where regular characters include Oliver Queen and, yes. and John Jones, the Martian Hunter. Yeah, exactly, on a regular basis. Yeah. The funny thing is, though, that I just read recently is that the 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 big bombshell is that Tom Welling is not under contract for next year, and is saying he doesn't want to be Clark Kent anymore. Ooh. But they want to continue the show because the ratings, the numbers are up. So <laughs> it's gonna be all about Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> it's and not, it's not even in Smallville anymore. So they're in, yeah, they're in Metropolis. Yeah, it's it's yeah. <laughs> it's time for the show to end. Yeah, it, is. it really is. I enjoy it, but it's time for it. One show that ended that I didn't want to end, but ended fantastically. It's, it was fine for it to end. Uh, the Wire, the best uh, pro- television program in the history of television. I don't know if that's true, but at least in my time. Um, it had its, its truncated fifth season this year. Which hurt a little bit. It did hurt. They had to squeeze 13 episodes of stuff into 10 episodes of space, and you really felt it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And uh, long before I was, I was talking about stuff that I enjoy so much that I don't notice the problems, I did notice the problems of this in the beginning. There was a lot of... The first few episodes were really rushed, and the main storyline for Jimmy McNulty, um, it, was, it was a little out there. Uh, yes, but I thought it, it fit... It made sense, and He's I can been justify it. so self-destructive it. that this was the this was the logical extension yes. of that. It was so far gone, though, that I was like, "Wow, that's really." The, to me, the most interesting parts of this were the newspaper stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Clark Johnson, who who played a character this year, who's normally a director, but has also been on on a Homicide. I, his character was fantastic. Um, you know, it's just like the culmination of everything. The last episode was was, great. was fantastic. It was heartbreaking. Most was, series don't end that well, and that that was no. a great great ending. Yeah. Um, you know, Marlowe, great, great, great villain. Um, he was the guy, he was the heroes, the, the fear guy on the heroes. Yeah, and he's a guy who, like, you get the sense, like, he's never going to get a role like this again. Mm-hmm. You know, well, most uh, of the people on the show are never going to get roles like no, this. No, which is the, the Oz thing that we've yeah. seen, you know. You, you finish up Oz, and then, you know, it's just all horrible. And you, it's, it's just all back to being thug number three. Yeah. Yeah, which is too bad because they actually got to play roles in there. But you know, it's the just wire like, the, great. the wire is just everything. It it was a novel, and it was a novel that was done by people who really, really, really cared because they knew that only a few people were watching it, but but those people were really into it, and they just everybody cared what they were doing, and um, yeah, that's that's just horrible that it's over. But it had to, it has to be over, and I'm cool with that. I was I was utterly satisfied by the ending of this. Yep. Um, yeah. Great so, final like 15 minutes. Oh man, just oh, good stuff. So the year in TV, TV continues to be the medium that we enjoy probably the most, I think. I don't know, yeah, on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah. So this is a good time as any to tell you about our sponsor, InStockTrades.com. Um, if you are going online to buy, to purchase your comic book trade paperbacks and graphic novels and hardcovers, uh, InStockTrades.com is the place to go. They've got a tremendous selection between 30 and 50% off on, on most titles. Uh, you can check it out at InStockTrades.com. Pretty much anything you want, they've got. So go to InStockTrades.com for all of your comic needs. Free shipping with orders over $50. Yeah, that's a very, especially with those big hardcovers, that's a good mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. All right, cool. Well, we don't just like television and film. We also like the internet. Yay, internet. Yay, who doesn't like internet? I hate the Wait, no, I don't. I, I love it. <laughs> So this year, the funny thing, we said this last year, the funny thing when you do more and more of your own content is you get less and less time to watch other people's content. So yeah. I think our viewership is down of, and listenership yeah, of podcasts. There, there also has been, it's been interesting as the whole podcasting world develops. Like there's a lot of stuff in 05 and 06 when it all starts up and now it's kind of you know, dropping off and you're seeing the kind of the real... The people who are actually yeah. sticking with it. And yeah, exactly. So what did we like? Uh, my favorite new podcast, audio podcast from the UK, uh, Times Online newspaper, uh, sponsored uh, The Bugle, 
with uh, John Oliver from The Daily Show and Andy Saltzman, who's, a, I guess, a British comedian. Um, basically, it's a weekly podcast. comes out on Fridays, and they uh, make fun of the news. It's not all that unusual, but uh, John Oliver, I mean, that, that guy has, has, has just got a beautiful way with words, and when he's making fun of things, uh, all through the presidential election, it was, you know, it was just fantastic. Is it, is it, is it, um, is it a limited run? Is it, do you know? The, no, they've done over 50, so they're going for over a year now. Um, I discovered it not, not too long ago. Ryan from Santa Cruz turned me on to it. Um, I, I love it. It's, Who's it's associated with? Is it the Times Online? Times Online. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. The, if you if you like uh, smart political humor, if you like British comedy, if you know you know news new you know, current event stuff, uh, every Friday it's about a half an hour long, so it's not it's not a ton of stuff. It's great. It's my favorite new podcast by far. Cool. So the um, the world of internet video, the the biggest surprise probably came this summer when uh, we got word of the fact that. Um, that Joss Whedon had a project that he had worked on over the strike. During the TV writer strike. During the TV writer strike that was um, uh, called Dr. Horrible's Sing-Along Blog. And it featured Neil Patrick Harris and Nathan Fillion from, um, from Serenity. Firefly and Serenity and Felicia Day from the Guild Video Podcast. And it was a three-part event that ended up being about 45 minutes total and it was a musical tale of a supervillain uh, named Dr. Horrible. And it was probably one of the most creative, funny, amusing things I've seen in ages. And it was... It, I mean, it was great, you know, like, obviously they had people behind them to help. They shot it on back lots in Hollywood, and with that kind of level of talent that was there, but Josh Whedon and his brother and his friends wrote all these songs, and they produced all these musical numbers, and it was freaking hysterical. It was, I still I mean, haven't seen it. Oh, it was really, it honestly was the best thing of this year, uh, in terms of the video. It was really, really good. I tried so. to watch, and then a bunch of people started singing. Yeah. <laughs> this year, my favorite new podcast, it's just not new, but new for me, was Tom versus. Which was Tom versus the JLA and became Tom versus the Flash, which is Tom Caters from Around Comics basically yes. recounting each issue of JLA and then issue issue of the original Barry Allen Flash books. Very very funny. If, if you listen to one podcast, you should be listening to Tom versus the Flash it, it, on a consistent basis every couple of days. Well, after a fanboy, then wait. Well, yeah, you don't even listen to us. Listen to Tom. Um, I've 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 been behind, so I just recently got to the Flash segment. I just finished the JLA segment, and it's just it, it's he. He he makes fun of, but loves unconditionally these old Bronze Age books, which is yeah. Cool. It's a fine line. Like it's one thing to be making fun of it. Like see how stupid this is. It's not that. It's like this affection. He's not reveling in it. It's not like he's he's not doing it to bash the books. He's doing it because he loves them. Yeah, and what's funny is he's looking at it with a modern eye, with a modern sensibility. So it's like mm-hmm. you know, so a lot of the stuff in the Flash that the guy has to do with Barry Allen's relationship with Iris, which and, is awful. And just social conventions and how it's changed. Sixties and things like that. And a lot of the, the and the, the Justice League stuff, which he finished up early. When he got to the Justice League Detroit stuff, great. that was hysterical. That was I like, love the vibe. Like the whole vibe, vibe. And when Aquaman was the leader and he would, he would hide in the pool to sucker punch people like to train them like it was just like <laughs> oh, it it's um well yeah and, and like the strings that you can go when you're going through them all this fast like you sort of see all these these really horrible patterns that are happening and you know what sitting there talking by yourself to a microphone and being entertaining is really hard and uh yeah he's a good guy listen to his show um, Tom versus Tom versus the Flash. Flash. Yeah, look for iTunes. Uh, the, the best audio podcast that I, that I started listening to this year uh, was called is called You Look Nice Today, and thank you. Actually, it was actually born out of uh, Twitter. Um, the three guys that were on Twitter: uh, Scott Simpson, uh, Merlin Mann, um, whose Twitter name is Hot Dogs Ladies, and uh, uh, Lonely Sandwich, who's Adam. I forget his last name. Um, they're people who met on Twitter, 
and uh, found that they had a similar kind of uh, humor, comedy style, and started just um, the 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 kind of the elevator pitches that it's a uh, diary of um, of awkward kind of social awkwardness in life, and they just start talking like, hey, you ever do this? And it's just the, they're all three very witty guys, very funny guys, and it's just these conversations, and they just kind of riff off each other. And it's it consistently makes me laugh on the, when I'm on my commute on the public transportation, like out loud. And it's just it's it hands down the funniest thing I've heard heard in, in at least the podcasting in a while. Um, you know, and and some of the stuff they touch on is you know you know Scott's got some kids. You know, to have them, Scott and Merlin are both married. You know, and um, technology. John Hodgman came it came on the show. John Hodgman and, and Jonathan Colton came on, so they, they they brought in that whole level of wit. And it's just very very witty, very very funny, and. Um, you know, not enough people listening. You look nice today, so check it out because um, it is really, really funny. What? How many is enough? Um, not enough listen, So uh, I can five digits. I can tell you one thing: not enough people listen to this. That's <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> so those are some of the podcasts that we listen to that we enjoy. Um, so check those out, Gavin. If you you, want, you might find one you like. You know, what we're so into video games. Really? We're no, not. I, uh, no, it's not not true <laughs> at all. I had a Nintendo Wii that sat in a closet all year because I don't have a TV. <laughs> It's interesting that you have a Nintendo that's in a closet while you're in San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> keep going back to that joke. Josh. It's an easy joke. You got a new game that we just played about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it'd be kind of dumb not to want to play DC versus Mortal Kombat. Or... Well, yes and no. Can you explain? I like, like when the DC guys fight each other. I don't know so much care. Well, yeah, apparently there are Mortal Kombat characters on there you can play with. Yeah. I don't know. They're on the left side of the TV. I can't tell you. Um, yeah, I got this. I've been playing around with it. It's a Mortal Kombat game. But, the problem with this game is that like I don't know all the combos in it, yeah. so for me it's like I'll play the DC characters uh-huh. until I get tired and then I'm done. Well, here's what I've learned. Uh, I'm old now, so uh, what happens is a I don't have the patience to learn any combo moves. Like you could look them up and yeah. do the thing. And, there's even a little menu. You press a button, it shows you a menu. Yeah. And it's like down, down, up, down, bar. Yeah. Oh, who's time for yeah, that yeah, shit? Yeah, exactly. And I also find my hands get tired very fast. Yes, yeah. yeah. Like they totally I'm like oh. In between your thumb and your next finger. Yeah. Cramp. Oh, I, hate that. I don't want to. But I will say this though, said, when we were playing, it was fun. We were laughing to the point of tears earlier. Yeah, we were, so we but that's because Connor just kicks. <laughs> kick, Connor just kick, does kick, crouches kick. and kicks over and over. And apparently, it's impossible to beat. I don't, know to, <laughs> I don't know how to get around that. I don't like the fact they felt the need to tweak the, the, the costumes just for no good reason. They always do. Yeah. Um, this was actually written by uh, the the story mode, which I've played some of. Was written by Justin uh, Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiotti. Um, it's, it's not necessarily good though. <laughs> Yeah, but you 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 liked one part with 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 Flash and Batman, right? Well, oh right, there's a, is it Flash? I forget. Somebody fought Batman. It was Flash, I believe. Was it, it Flash? Yeah, I think it. right. And and like they get through the whole thing, and I mean, if you're playing the story mode, you're the Flash, and you have to beat Batman. And and like at the very end of it, it's like the character goes because you beat him, and the character goes, "Aren't you the, supposed to be the master of hand-to-hand combat?" And then Batman sort of stands up and goes, "Yes," and he punches you, and it goes <laughs> to the next scene. <laughs> so like, even though you know there's no there's no way that he would beat him. You know, it works like that. It was really fun when you group of fans who who. It's it's fun. To, it's probably fun to play with other people. Uh, I don't I don't think I'd play it solo. I don't play it with you guys. I mean, that was really yeah, fun yeah, earlier. Yeah, I played it solo for review purposes. Right. You see, and no one else comes over. So you played it, you played Catwoman solo. Yeah. yeah, she has large boobs. <laughs> That's all. Rock Band. Uh, Ever so heard of that game? The, the one video game I probably played the most this year was Rock Band, and then Rock Band Two. Um, and again, it's kind of one of the things, like, I don't have a TV, I don't have an Xbox, but my friend does. And a whole bunch of us, uh, probably about once a month or so, would go to his house and have basically a karaoke party, but with Rock Band. And it's 
it's the ultimate party fun. game. Yeah, it's more fun, you know, than I would than I would think if I sitting here going, yeah, a whole bunch of us and we, you know, we pretend to play guitar and pretend to play drums and somebody sings and some of the funniest shit that's happened has happened in the Rock Band night. So yeah, and Rock Band two just it just got even better. So. Yeah, the game didn't change at all. No, really, no, I mean, no. the the interface is a little bit better. Just the more like when Rock Band two came out and there were like go-go's on it, I was like, oh yes. It's uh, funny yeah. is that the songs that you want to play on it are yeah. so opposite of the ones that I want to play on it. Yeah. There's been some stinkers on this one, like get songs that don't belong on like the what? game. Like uh, what, there's a Sonic Youth song. Oh yeah, yeah. that it's a, it's a fine song. Yeah. Like I don't mind listening to it, but to play it's it's all, really like the, the Bob Dylan song. Yeah, it's yeah. a fine song. I don't want to play it on this game. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's at the same time, minutes long. There's yeah. all sorts of yeah. It is. Regress on high tides. No, not that. <laughs> oh God, that's just hard. Yeah. I but, still uh, haven't beat Rock that. Rock Band is just so so much fun, and uh, you know, and, and it's it's been the one thing where singing, drums, guitar doesn't matter. I'm having a great time doing it. So. What's really interesting in looking at this list we've got here is all these games on our list are all group games. Yeah, they are. We yeah, are, are we are not really solo ah. gamers. Actually, here I have uh, Grand Theft Auto Four, which I oh, actually fa- played and finished this year. Yeah. Um, it was fun. You know, it's you a great love it, game. I didn't love it. I think it was a really, really great technical experience. It was beautiful. The city was really neat. It, 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 the gameplay was fantastic. But if you remember uh, the old Grand Theft Autos, the old GTAs, they would have lots of celebrity voices and things like that that were interesting and made it more quirky. And the, I thought the soundtracks were... Now there's like 18 stations or something like that, and I don't know any of the music. Yeah. Whereas before, like, you know, when it was in the 80s, it was like all of these songs that were kind of funny and bad. Like, you'd be like, I'm listening to Air Supply and driving around. It, it seems to have lost some of that quirky personality and edge. I feel like, I'm sure it's really still popular, but I feel like Grand Theft Auto's lost a lot of its buzz. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I'm sure it's still t- tons of games. Well, from, from, from a gaming standpoint, though, it's an excellent game, and I had mm-hmm. f- I played all the way through. I didn't get bored. Uh, you know, I was I was actually interested in the story, but about halfway through, I was like, I want to know what happens. But I feel like um, eight years ago, all you heard about was Grand Theft Auto, and now it's all Rock Band. So mm-hmm. like, it's it's it may still be really popular, but the buzz is now on well, other games. It's yeah. really interesting because when it comes to mainstream acceptance of games, it seems like the party game and, the, and it's the thing you can play with lots of people. That's what people are paying attention to now. Now you know among gamer circles, these you know Gears of War is a big deal. You right, know, well, that's what I mean. It's, it's, it's popular because we're not but for game, us, we're but not we're not heavy gamers. Well, Mario Kart Wii was oh, was the game so I played by far the most, so and I play it solo. And I actually just last week I was like I needed a break. And I played for like two hours and unlocked all these levels I hadn't unlocked before. But it's Mario Kart Wii is so much fun as a group. I mean, Mario Kart was just so great. It was Nintendo sixty four and just and yeah. adding in the wireless factor. And it's basically the, the same game. Yeah, totally. It's better graphics, better sort of usability, and yeah. you get the steering wheel bikes. now. And and in Connor has a giant TV now. And 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 bikes. And actually, my sister was over the other day, and, and she and I played like two in the morning. We were just laughing our heads off because it's, it's so much yeah, fun. It's so awesome. frustrating. Yeah. But in a fun way, and it's and it's just it's the game I by far play the most. Yeah. I love Mario Kart Wii. It's a lot, a lot of fun. I would, I would kiss it if I. Could. I suck at it. You guys did some writing. You only played it once, though. You guys played did some it a couple times. Oh yeah, we uh, one of our um, users, Will, has a blog, the um, entertaining grime, and Josh and I, I reviewed Mario Kart Wii. Josh reviewed Grand Theft Auto, and yep. we posted there. Go to our show notes. There'll be a link to the blog. Cool. Just search entertaining grime. Yeah, but go or go to our show notes and there'll be, a, yeah. there'll be we'll link it directly. But um, it was you know he said do you want to write a review? I don't I've never written a video game review, so sure I'll try that. It took him three days. Really? I had he to did, play it. Is it <laughs> did, did four hundred words? I did it. I had to cut it down from fourteen thousand words. I got really verbose. 
All right, so, uh, so that's the world of video games. Obviously, apparently, we, we spend more time working than playing video games. We'd love to play more, but, you know. Yeah, life. I don't play any other games. That's crazy. Mm. <laughs> um, all right, so let's dive into music. Um, the I have to give my album of the year or band of the year award to Los Campen... I can't say Campesinos. It. Los Campesinos. No, um, you... They're a... What did I say? What is it? Los Campesinos. Los Campesinos. Lobos. I'm looking at it. It's spelled yeah. right there. They, um, they are a band from Wales. They're a British band uh, from Cardiff, I believe. They sound like and, they're from Venezuela. I know. Um, and they are... Uh, remind me a little bit of Architecture in Helsinki when I first discovered them. That, that it was a you could tell there's a lot of people. There's a couple of girls, you know, like there's a lot of there's some horns going on, things like that. So much bottled energy in each one of these songs that it just like you you just can't keep your foot from tapping. You can't kind of like want to sing along and all that kind of stuff. I discovered there they put out I think they put out either a record at the end of '07 or the beginning of '08, and they just put out another record now. They got so much energy, they got to get it out. Exactly, and um, and it's just so it's so much fun to listen to, and they're gonna start touring the U.S. This, uh, in '09. You're gonna go, aren't uh, you? Well, no, they're not playing in San Francisco. They're playing in New York on Valentine's oh, Day. Too bad but, for uh, people rumors, who don't live in New York, sucker. Rumors, well, rumors they're playing Coachella. So. They're gonna play here. And I, don't, I don't even want to go. Um, <laughs> I'm not even gonna. Not even. Never go out. <laughs> I did too. But, um, um, it's on the list. But they um, they are uh, hands down. If, if Los Campanistas is playing your, in your town, go. Check <laughs> Whatever, Los Camp. I, said, I call him Los Camp. Um, Los Campesinos. Anyway. Um, that still but, wasn't good. Keep trying. But You'll hit it eventually. so much fun. It's such an ethnic word, these Brits. And the songs are really poppy, um, but not in a not in a kind of a bubblegum kind of way, more in like an indie indie pop kind of way, indie rock pop. Um, and, you know, the, the guy-girl singer kind of thing that goes on, and a lot of the lyrics are very, um, are, like, you can plainly hear the lyrics, and um, they, they make you laugh, and it's it just fun. Just do they, do they sing Jackson? I got married in Jackson. <laughs> all the way to Whenever the Whenever I think of guy-girl duets, I always think of Johnny Cash. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to mention the Flight of the Concords album, because for a while there was just an EP. Yeah, and uh, then, I have the EP. I don't, is there full of... Full yeah, they flight? just released a full album with all the songs from the TV Son show. Son of a bitch. Um, as, such as Voodoo Fafa. Um, <laughs> you know, like, this is a lot like... Uh, Tenacious D for me is that I became a big fan of it and like at one point I was like these songs are actually really catchy and they're stuck in my head and they're, they're really entertaining catchy. and they're good um, and actually like musically to be able to play in that many styles is really impressive to me yep. um, I just downloaded that whole album recently and uh, I've just been I've been listening to it off and on I'm like a real EPs album on my iPhone I listen to it all the time when I'm on the subway well, right yeah. well this is the whole album I'm so because you needed one more version of business time Actually, I do. I can take as many versions of Business Time as you can give me. Exactly. That's a great song. Um, no, just uh, that's all. That's the whole album. You should get it. It's it's fun. I've really I like the show. I'm looking. Is all the ladies of the world back. on there? Yes. All yes. the ladies of the world. The, the one the one that's in French, by the way, which is my favorite. <laughs> the end. He's just listing groceries, which is to me was really funny because that's the exact same thing that I found funny about learning French. <laughs> like the word for beef is boeuf, and boeuf. which I just found hilarious. And he was just going le boeuf. I'm kind of worried about the second season, to be honest with you. So, um, uh, Mates of State is a band that I've been a fan of uh, since like early 2000. It's a guy and a girl who are married. He plays drums, she plays keyboard, and they sing these really kind of poppy songs. Uh, they, the first record I love, this, the second and third record weren't so good, but then a couple years ago they had a better record. They came out with a new record this year that was back to form and was as what I remembered why I liked them. Um, and it's actually the first time they have instruments other than just their drums and, and keyboards. They actually got some strings on it and things like that. Um, really, really good. Um, just it was, it was it was a 
pleasant surprise that it was. It was I've so seen them live a couple of times. Yeah, it's, I it's, saw them it's, live this year too. It it's really quite powerful. Yeah, really, really powerful. I mean, like yeah. there, it's like that yeah. voice is like. Yeah, I, just, I love the way they do. They play off each other both stylistically and <laughs> instrumentally. You know, like it's like a lot of sound coming from not a lot of things. Exactly. Yeah. I, th- I think that's what was impressive to me. Yeah. I wanted to mention uh, Vampire Weekend. I don't buy a lot of albums. I don't go after a lot of new music. I ended up with this. I think Ron was like, "You should it's listen good album, to this." Vampire Weekend. Um, it's like it's like music made for Wes Anderson movies. It <laughs> is. It just doesn't sound like anything else. And I think that's what I found. And I didn't really like it at first. And then something must have come up on my shuffle a few times. And I was like, that's fun. And then just recently I've noticed that it's showing up in movies a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I was like, oh, they're going to be. Well, they're, like, they're the hip band right yeah, they were on, now. They were on a lot of CW shows last, yeah. year, last season. Yeah. They're, they're Spoon this year. Yeah. Yeah, no. basically. Uh, but it's, it's a good album. And, and like, don't, you know. It's you know people talk about it a lot. It's the one with a lot of buzz on it, but there's a reason. It sounds yeah, really it's interesting. Good. It's really energetic. It's really peppy. It's not uh, it's not downbeat. No. Uh, it's good. I like it. Um, the Magnetic Fields came out with another record this year, and, and they're one of those bands that whenever they come out with a new record, you've got to stop and download and listen to it because they're just so epic and amazing. And I actually saw them live, which I'd never seen them before, and I, and it was just it was it was right when the record came out, so I got to hear some new songs and as well as the old songs that they played live. But the new record is called Distortion, and that's the theme. Like every song has just a ton of distortion on it. <laughs> and but it's it, it, and the last record was called I, and every song started with the letter I. Like you know, kind of very almost very kind of you know nose in the air arty kind of approach to 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 any music. But Stephen Merritt, the main songwriter, is just an amazing songwriter, and some of those songs are just really really beautiful. And, and the way they layer the use of distortion and the use of you know sometimes acoustic guitar, sometimes you know a lot of you know strings, a lot of different kind of um, sounds come out of it, and just magnetic fields are unlike any other band out there. So. Um, we went to a couple of live shows uh, collectively. I believe the very first show that we've all that we all went to this year ever ever we've never all been at one show at the same time. That's weird. I don't. Yes, I've been to shows with You're right. Ron. Yeah. Ron has been to shows with Connor. Yeah, good point. We were all three there with Ryan from Marvel. Yeah. Um, and we saw the Decemberists. Um, the day after election day. Yeah, and uh, if you know anything about them, they were big Obama supporters. Yeah. So the, they were into it. The crowd was very into it's, it. Um, you know how good the show was? The show was so good that before the, sh- the show, I wasn't really into them. Yeah. It kind of annoyed me. Yeah. After the show, I went to eMusic and I went download, 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 They're download, download, download. Awesome. download. It was it was an incredible yeah. show. They were and, fantastic. And, and from the standpoint of like at the beginning of the show, it was I didn't kind of drag. It was they yeah. kind of weren't into it, and yeah. like it kept building and building and building, and it got to the end, and it was just it was like, a raucous party by the end. A like I had not expected him to play the crowd as well as he did. The time when he picked up somebody's phone, yeah. called somebody else's phone, <laughs> left his his singing his vocals on their voicemail, yeah. and then hung it up, and I was like, that's just. That's amazing. He was really good with the crowd. He was great with the crowd and like the sing-alongs. Well, yeah. I was going to say that the, the culmination of the whole thing was they did Mariner's Revenge song at the end, which is, it's a weird song. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. uh, and it just, they all line up at the front of their stage with their handheld instruments and like he had, he had the crowd go do the thing and it just built and built and it was faster and faster and faster and go to the, and like. Hit the, the o- crouching down. Yeah. yeah. Like the only, and the only bad part about that, I was like, you can't come back after that. Like and the, yeah. the like the but they did no they, by they did. Was, sons and daughters was amazing. It was and still that, that's what I walked away from that show with that in my head that 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 um you know the bombs yeah. fade away and then it then it ended it then it merged into a yes we can chant yeah you know but it was it was it, the show was moving it was really it was good. Yeah. it was it was really good um the the only other, they actually did release uh, like sort of an EP which yeah. was a bunch of songs that were released separately um they're really good yeah. it's like not it's not a full album. 
but they're all like Valerie Plame, uh, New England, and that Raincoat song. I can't get out of my head. Yeah, I, I'm I'm loving that little EP. Yeah, um, a lot. December is still one of the best acts around. There's a new album coming out in March. So um, for me, the live musical moment of this of the year was in September. I went to the Altamars Party, which is a uh, which is a kind of sm- a smaller festival that's uh, organized by people from England. Um, this is the first one in New York, and it's actually up at Kutcher's um, Kutcher's Resort, which is the place that Dirty Dancing is based on. And it was like uh, indie like indie summer camp, where uh, all these people from all around the world, as well as a lot of New Yorkers, you know, with their Tight jeans went up to the upstate New York. Get your white belts. Get yeah. your white belts over here. I saw a ton of bands at this festival. I saw a Shellac, saw La Savvy Fev, who blew everybody away. Um, uh, saw um, the Meat Puppets, saw Dinosaur Jr., saw Bob Mould play all Husker Du songs to a small, small crowd. It was just amazing. Um, but it all culminated in the last band and the band that why everybody was there for was the first My Bloody Valentine show in America since 1991. Um, they'd finally gotten back together. It's one of those things where we kind of talked. We talked about um, you know like things that you things you hear rumors of, and you're just like, no, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. And I'm not normally for bands reuniting. But you don't like it? No, no, I don't like it at all. But my bloody Valentine, probably in my top ten records of all of the, of the 1990s, is the album Loveless. It's more important than Nirvana's Nevermind. It's more important than so many other bands. If you listen to that record, then listen to all the music that came after it. They invented the noise pop kind of, um, kind of you know, very heavily distorted kind of almost atmospheric kind of sound that so many bands now are playing off of. They don't even realize it. And the fact that now they're in their 40s and they took the stage and the, the tension was palpable. There were 3,000 people all in the same room. Um, they're known for being really loud, and I didn't use earplugs because I wanted to say I lived through it. And these guys can attest to it. The next day. I li- normally I'm, I have bad hearing. I couldn't hear anything. Like, it was, <laughs> like, it, it, like honestly, there was like three or four times during the set where I felt that pinch inside uh. my ear, and I was like, "Oh, that's not good." <laughs> and it was, it was, it was just, it was honestly, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing, and I had the opportunity to see them again in San Francisco, and I didn't because I was like, "That was." You're so not going to top it, yeah. Yeah, it was so perfect. I don't want to change it. I had my my bloody Valentine moment, and it was oh, it was just amazing. It was totally, totally good. So um, yeah, so that was a, definitely a once in a lifetime kind of thing. Well, that was music. It was music. Beautiful, beautiful music. And beautiful, beautiful movies can be found on Netflix where you can get over 100,000 titles and they have no late fees and free shipping both ways. They offer Blu-ray titles and they got fast delivery. The majority of the shipments ship in one day after you put them in your queue. Plans start as low as $4.99 a month. And if you go to www.netflix.com slash iFanboy, you can get a two-week free trial and all the gosh darn movies you want. And don't forget that streaming. Yep, streaming. Yeah, it's really cool. Hey, let's talk about comics, huh? Comic books. Why don't we? We don't, we don't do that enough. Woo, comics. All right. Uh, this year, the much ballyhooed uh, or bashed brand new day storyline has continued on, and I haven't had, you know, consistently as much fun reading books. They put out thirty some odd issues this yeah. year, on time, on schedule, and they were just classic Spider-Man stories. They yeah. were just exactly what you'd want from Spider-Man. Most were good to great. I mean, I don't yeah. think there was a bad issue. There, I, there were very few instances where it, it it moved from mediocre to bad. I think there were maybe a couple of moments where like oh, I like this writer well, a little better than ones, that one. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But honestly, from a from a tone basis and what you want out of Spider Man, it was dead on. 
and the, the talent is incredibly high. Yeah. And coming into next year, we're gonna have another six part John Romita Jr. story. So that's. Cool. I mean, you got. I mean, if you look at those thirty issues, you had artists like. I mean, say what you will about the idea of the brain trust and stuff like that. You've got you know Zeb Wells, Dan Slott, Mark Guggenheim, Bob Gale. You know now Mark Wade, Joe Kelly, all these writers working on it. But we've seen we saw art from Steve McNiven, Phil Jimenez, John Romita Jr. I mean, like huge names in the comic industry working on one of the best characters. Yeah, it was so. really strong. I mean, consist- consistently strong. Two, three years worth of comics came out you know, yeah. in this year from yeah. Spider-Man. Which is amazing. So, it's uh, an what, amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that joke will never get old. Uh, way back in June, uh, I did an episode of the video show. We talked to Alex Robinson about his book, Too Cool to be Forgotten, um, which was released. And I, I haven't heard anybody complain about it. The, the, this book for me was my favorite graphic novel of the year. Um, you know, it was, it was fairly simple. It was basic. Kid falls asleep, ends up back in... in uh, Life on Mars. <laughs> yeah, back in high school, uh, he's hypnotized actually. Um, you know, and he goes back and he sort of discovers sort of things about you know when you, you see things from a different perspective. Um, well, as an older man, he's got the experience of an older man just to look back in high school and realize yeah. that some stuff is stupid. Yeah, and you don't need to worry about it. He sees other you know things. Other stuff making he, bad choices. That it's he other stuff he wasn't bad. paying any attention to. Yep. You know, and and he, he discovers a lot about himself. It was really touching. It was really simple. You know, it's a, it's a nice little graphic novel. You should be going and checking it out. And very, very emotionally wrenching at the end. Very much so. Um, one of the books I was most relieved that was good that came <laughs> out was uh, Terry Moore's Echo, uh, which is the new series from Terry Moore, who is the creator behind Strangers of Paradise. Um, and Echo, uh, you know, we, we talked about it a lot on the weekly video show. How do you follow, that? How do you follow a book like, you know, uh, Strangers of Paradise? Yeah. And what he did was he's, he, he's delivered... Uh, every six weeks, an episode, an episode, an issue on time, um, and we we've got introduced to this great kind of science fictiony kind of tale of this girl who um, who, who see, sees a military kind of test go wrong and gets this kind of metal alloy stuck to her chest, and it's given her some mysterious powers and the whole kind of suspense and mystery around that. What's happened to her? Government involvement. They're kind of on the run. Um, you know, a little kind of romance budding possibly. It's got a, it's pretty much hits on every kind of tone that you'd want. Um, and it just you know, and and Terry Moore's art is better than ever, and um, just totally relieving that it, this was this was good because if it was bad, I would have been, oh, abs- yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It, it's been it's been it's been getting better every issue. It's great. Yeah, Nightwing I think was the best d- d- Bat book. There was a lot of Bat books, a lot of good ones. Batman was good, Robin was good, but Nightwing from Peter Tomasi totally rejuvenated the character, made it one of my favorite books to read. So happy about that because it's been a book toiling in mediocrity or worse for the last five years or so, and and it's ending. And who knows? Peter Peter Dimasi doesn't seem happy about it. So we wonder how what that went down. Seem the whole Batman RP pissed off a lot of the creators. That's the story has nothing to do with, with whatever. No, but, but the, the, the direction is taking. Yeah, I mean because you had Chuck Dixon and then you had you know now this and so I don't he know, stormed just, out. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. So whatever is going on is going to go on. But this year you had a great. You know, two or th- two trade run or however long it is, you're going to get a, a really strong Nightwing story. So if you're if you're a fan of that, if you ever if you dropped out, as many people did after it got started getting bad, it's a book to check out. Uh, Alexander Gresham and uh, Riley Rossmo released a series called Proof. Uh, not didn't start this year. Started two oh seven. Yeah. Um, but uh, I discovered it this year, and most of the issues have come out this year. And this is uh, one of my favorite new series. Uh, I just love the size of the world. I love that the book is unique. It doesn't sound like it should be because it sounds like such a high concept pitch. Cryptozoology. Cryptozoology. Uh, you know, there's a there's a the CIA agents and one of them is Bigfoot. It's it sounds like it could be really dumb, uh, but it's not. It's really really good. Uh, Second trade just came out. 
Um, so, so go out there and check out that book. It, it, uh, it deserves uh, to, be, to be looked at. It's that good. One of my favorite creators, uh, David Laffam, came back with an ongoing series of Vertigo called The Young Liars, which uh, uh, has had its ups and downs. There's a pretty one really specific down with there's one issue that's a dream sequence that was just so far out there. But for the most part, I mean, uh, I've been describing it as a as a rock and roll comic, and that you know it, it's it started right out of the gate like with the with the speed and velocity of like Train Spotting um, movie wise, and um, and it's you know it's in a, its first full year. And you just made me want to watch Train Spotting. <laughs> oh, so good, yeah. But um, uh, it's Dave Laffam has this way of writing people and writing violence and writing you know kind of really fucked up kind of situations and things. He can like that. write fucked up things. Yeah, it is that 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 it's just it's the kind of thing where you know and it's a Vertigo title, so it kind of falls right into the Vertigo world and and you know in terms of what you would kind of expect, not the typical kind of comic book, not the typical kind of you know uh, story that you would that you would kind of encounter on. Um, definitely worth a shot um, if you're looking for something different. And you know, like I said, it, it gets rough in parts, but you know the most recent issue came out. It was just it reminded me. Of of how great it was and how great it is and how why Dave Laffam in my mind is one of the, you know one of my favorite creators. One of the big miracles of the years in action comics and what Jeff Johns has been able to do to rejuvenate Superman in the eyes of many people who thought he was too hokey to be enjoyable. And Rejuvenation is your theme. Well, it's true. A lot of these books have been brought back from the brink and actually Superman is a character that's always perceived to be too hokey by the majority of the people who read comics but Jeff Johns has turned it into something that has been a must-read book on iFanboy. It's one of the top-pulled books, which is pretty amazing considering. And you know, again, unfortunately, with the same with Nightwing, it's it's getting going to go through changes. He's he's leaving the book to do a uh, standalone series with Gary Frank about them re- redoing the origin Superman. However, Greg Rucka is taking it. Over. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that interesting. You know, here's the here's, he's written Superman before, but it's not about Superman. Here's the thing about uh, Action Comics. Uh, I'm reading it. Yes, and that's amazing. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. It doesn't even make sense. And not even just the new Krypton, which I've been enjoying, but before that with, with the Brainiac storyline, which is fantastic, and before that with the, the Legion of Superheroes storyline, it's been just an amazing run that he's had, which has only been since recently. I mean, he's been on the book for a long time, and Ron has re- read some of it when he was on the book, and it was okay. It was, it was pretty good, but it wasn't yeah. great. But this year, particularly, for whatever reason, he found his stride of Superman, and Gary Frank really helped out, out, out with that feeling, and it's been it's just an amazing book. So many, so many Jeff Johns books could be in this list. Which yeah, is, mm-hmm. which we'll get to. But Action Comics is exemplary because mm-hmm. it just doesn't, you know, it should be. I mean, it seems like Action Comics should be the first. But I uh, uh, also wanted to mention, uh, and we don't know when, how, if it will come back, but uh, Powers uh, ended at issue 30th 30, issue yeah. of this volume. Um, and the last storyline this year was just epical. I mean, it was just Epi- Is epical a word? Epochal? Oh. They took the, from the 25th issue on, they took a more page count, kind of a mm-hmm. bigger kind of, bigger kind of approach to it. Every issue was a tour de force. Even though the, it was, the delays, you don't mind the... I didn't the, even care. I don't care. Yeah. Because I, don't think the, it, yeah. I kept getting... Yeah. I don't even remember how it was, how much it was delayed or what. But the last storyline uh, was just so satisfying and so well done. Great ending it was very satisfying. Ending. Uh, you know, it was it was Bendis writing at his best. It was it was uh, Oming doing you know what he does best. Uh, really, it's been a little while since so we've sort of started to forget about it. But uh, that whole last storyline was was uh, was you know great comics. The thing great, about the delays comics. though is is normally the comics delayed you get. A regular size comic, you you know, you wait three months for twenty two pages, but with powers, it was double sized. You had yeah. a lot, you was so much packed in it was there. Meaty, it didn't yeah, feel it was, like you were really missing out. It really did work better in that format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more time to breathe. So we'll see what happens next year with that title. 
Um, so this year, uh, um, Uncanny X Men moved to uh, moved to San Francisco, and Ed Brubaker and Matt Fraction successfully pulled that off. And uh, despite the artistic stylings of Greg Land, and, and now we're kind of into the Terry Dodson kind of era. It was uh, kind of Dodson. We got Dodson. Um, it was uh, it's it definitely the the vibe and tone that I've wanted for the X Men for a long time is, is finally seemed to be coming back. Who moved first? Um, you or them? I did. I did. They followed it's me. Amazing. I can't. I can't shake them. A, I don't know how that works out. Well, what happened was that Ed Brubaker looked up and he's like, "Where's that Ron guy?" <laughs> oh, wait, I got an idea. So I don't know. It, it, it just it, it feels like the way the X Men should feel, and 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 I'm excited for next year to see how Fraction takes it if he keeps in that direction or if he get, makes it weird. Um, <laughs> makes it weird. <laughs> how could it be X-Men? any more weird? Tell us where the X Men touched you. Uh, <laughs> Show us on the doll. Hey, Jeff Johns is back. Justice Society of America. Oh, so good. Such a good book. Even though this has been one long storyline for this year, for the most part, it's been a really great storyline. It's been, it's, you know, Justice Society of America is, is this, we say this all the time, it's a book that shouldn't probably work on paper, but it does because Jeff Johns has a great handle on these characters and the feeling of the... the all 300 of them. The, yeah, the reverential feeling for these old Golden Age stalwarts who exist in a modern world, and he's, well, now he's leaving this book as well. So this is three of my picks. The first, I just noticed that now, but the first three picks are all from people who are leaving their books. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. That's awesome. Next year's going to be great. <laughs> Woo! I think my, I'm pretty sure my final pick's okay, but other than that, I'm. Uh, I wanted miserable. to bring up yeah, Fables. Your, your final pick is fine. <laughs> I wanted to bring up Fables because. You seem thrilled like about to, it. I, no, I'm just waiting for the inevitable bullshit from these two. What are you talking uh, about? He's rolling their eyes. They're rolling their eyes. No, no. not rolling their eyes. Not now. He's try, Ron's trying not to. He's holding his face steady. No, we haven't batched fables in at least a year. We have, yeah. Have for, we've we, respected we, we your deserve, opinions. We deserve some more credit for that. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Uh, no. Persecution um, complex. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we were in this room two years ago. Anyway. Uh, two, exactly. years, two years ago. Get over it. <laughs> This was the end of the 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 war. The first uh, the big story of it, right? The yeah, the whole, whole. This was going to be the end of the series, but he decided to keep it going. Again, that last storyline, the run up to the war, and the one before it, actually. The they good fought Prince. Gargamel. Yeah, Gargamel. Gargamel. Gargamel the adversary. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, awesome if it was Gargamel. <laughs> Here we go. No. There it is. <laughs> Smurfs joke, not the, the fables. I just like Gargamel. Um, no, the, the the ending of the war was fantastic, and the storyline before that, the Good Prince, was fantastic. Like every single one of those issues was was pick of the week, week worthy. We've just started the new. How do you feel about it continuing? I don't mind it. Because you know he wanted to end it at this point, and now he's continuing for whatever reason. The thing is, if, if, if he's got more ideas and he's still got the energy to go through with it, then, 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 then you know, do that. It isn't going to make those stories any worse, I guess. Right. Um, we're not far enough into the new things that are happening for me to be able to tell you how good it is. The issues have been entertaining. They've been good. There's lots more characters and things that he could spend time with and explore um, that I would be totally fine with. I want to see what happens to Snow White and 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 uh, Bigby and their kids. I want to, you know, that that's all really interesting to me. Um, but the end of that that first seventy five issues uh, was was very very good. It was everything it should have been. Um, I don't think if you had uh, turned the clock back a year from now and told me that there would be a Captain Britain book that all three of us were reading and enjoying and looking forward to, with Blade, I, I would, I would, I would kick you in the balls and then say, "Don't, don't screw with me like that." Uh, but sure enough, Paul Cornell delivered a, a new ca- ongoing Captain America in the MI thirteen, which is probably one of the year's biggest surprises and one of the best books Marvel's putting out right now. Um, and I'm, I'm just in total shock and glee that one of my favorite characters is being glee. used in a way along with Pete Wisdom, the Black Knight. 
Blade. I mean, just like the, it, it shouldn't. Fire. It shouldn't make sense. It shouldn't be nope. as good as it is, but it is, and uh, I'm thankful for that. So that that's you know, Captain. he has the right sensibility for that. Yeah, it's funny totally. and exciting at the same time. Totally. One book that I read solely in trades. So I only read it once this year, but it was eight eight issues worth all at once, and it was freaky. Was Walking Dead, which is still continuing to be one of the my favorite books. I read this latest trade two in the morning. Oh, geez, I put it down, like, and I thought, what the hell is wrong with Robert Kirkman? <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and now i got to go watch like something wholesome before I go to bed, otherwise it's going to be problematic. Give me but. Frank Capra, quick. <laughs> <laughs> and it, he, 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 he continues to portray a compelling world. He continues to find new things to do to these people to make you think, wow, it can't get any worse. Yeah. And then it does. Yeah, and I mean, he's he's he's. Josh is reading an issue, so he's. Yeah, I switched ahead, on but. issues right after that that trade because I was like, I need to know what happens next. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong, and the issues the issues keep it up. They've all been on time. They've all been coming out. You know, you could almost say the same about Invincible. Just Robert Kirkman's. He had that whole thing where, people, you know, like he had his manifesto and and took a lot of shit for it. But in the meantime, he never stopped making great comic books. Yep. yep. I just love I just love Walking. That might be one of my favorite books. Totally. Uh, I think my my standout series where every single thing this is was my great. favorite book. I think this is, I think my favorite book of the year. Uh, every single issue that came out was great and and fresh and new was was scalped. Uh, that series, you know, I st- I didn't read it at first. It's similar in a way to, to Walking Dead in that it's constantly finding ways to make bad things happen to these people, but not it's but it is more realistic. Obviously, well, it's, it's more realistic zombies. and it's actually it's almost more character based. Oh, totally. Uh, whereas they will really he will you know it's flashback. He's spending a lot of time on these main characters. He's flushing them out like crazy. And, you're and really I love it. that. Um, there's no good guys and no bad guys, and everybody's a, a little dirty, but also everybody's got a little something redeeming about them. It's, uh, you know, everyone. I, I can't recommend the series higher. I, I enjoy it as much or more than any other book that I'm reading. Um, I'm glad it exists, and I hope that he gets to keep going as long as he wants to. Jason Aaron, the writer, uh, scalped. Cool. Um, and the one book that came out this year that, um, that again, it was a surprise, was uh, Glamour Puss by Dave Sim. Did it come out this um, year? It came out this year. Yeah, it started one, this year. One time? It's, no, it came out. There are four issues. We have four issues so far. Um, it is from a, from a comic book purist process junkie kind of love of comics and art comics art it is a must read um it is dave sim breaking down the artistic style of alex raymond um and all the other kind of um you know milton kniff um all these other fantastic artists that we don't really talk about as much because they didn't do superhero work they did you know things like terry and the pirates they did um you know you know you know other you know other stories that you know i don't have in front of me some um well, they're, they're golden across. age not separate from golden age i mean not non-superhero stuff we're talking newspaper yeah, strips but I mean, and, still, they're, they're not yeah. like it's oh, even yeah. if they were doing superhero. Can you tell me who was drawing Batman and I, you know, right? Well, you Bob Kane. Not no, for no, a while. I'm just kidding. Right? No, I'm kidding. Um, but so, so the this exploration of the the way they their art style was and the way that they how they got stuff done the way they did by using cross hatching and shadows and things like that. It's just from a from a pure comic art kind of exploration. It is it has been eye opening and kind of and just so compelling to the point where when a new issue, issue comes out, I can't wait to read it. Which is always kind of my gauge of it. Is it? Um, there's no, there's no narrative. There's no, I mean, there's no like story to it. It's all very. It's told in the first person of him trying to tell his his exploration of you know like. And in this panel, he used this kind of pen, and look how he did this. And and Dave Sims trying to teach himself how to draw in that style, and it's just fascinating to be along for that ride. So is it an ongoing series? Yeah, it's an ongoing series. So, 
um, you know, independent comic, you know, and, and admittedly, he got, Dave Sim gets a lot of shit for Cerebus and, and his, you know, you know, opinions that came out. None of that is in here. Um, although on the offset, the way it's pitched is, you know, drawing fashion models in the Alex Raymond style is, is a little weird. But what he's using is he's looking at these old 60s magazines and redrawing the ads in these styles as a, as a, as a process. Um, and it's been, it's just been fascinating. So. It's one of those things that you can only do in comics. Kind of, it's gonna when it's collected. I think it's gonna be up there with like you know, not understanding comics, but a lot of those kind of you know. It's it, really if you're not interested in how comics are made, then it's not it's not up your alley at all. Right. But if you're interested in art at all, it totally is. So, eh. <laughs> I'd say two things. I'm surprised. One, I'm surprised Nova's Nova's not on this list. Nova's great. Nova should be on this list. That's yeah. a good point. I mean, yeah. You know, it's unfortunate we had to yeah. pick five. I'm surprised yeah. Savage Dragon's not on this list. Savage Dragon. It was, let's see if, if it's six through. Savage Dragon has been great, the, oh, but recently, like the past like three months. Okay. Yeah, leaving yeah. off for yeah. me, leaving off Nova and leaving off Invincible were two tough calls. Yeah, yeah. So it's just surprising. That's, That's all. all. So, um, so in each year at this point, we try to narrow down a couple of folks who need you know special recognition. Um, uh, our two best people working in comics. two best people working in comics. Uh, for me, it was without pause or without question that it was Jeff Johns for the second year in a row. For the second year in a row, purely because I cannot think of a book where you're like, eh. Every book, every issue. Action, Justice Society, Green Lantern, even Booster Gold. The volume the of, the of work that this guy did in the past year has been you know, amazing. Plus a bunch of one-shot specials from Justice, Justice Society. and Just a Rogue's machine. Revenge. Rogue's Revenge. Oh, yeah, totally. It was just a machine. Everything was gold this Everything year. was gold. He's, he's great. And it looks like hopefully next year will be just as good with, with Flash. Well, next year's moving off of Justice Society, moving off of Action. He's doing the Flash re- re- rebirth. rebirth. with Continuing the Green Lantern tra- saga. And he's doing the Man of Steel uh, origin, which is, will be good. But. Wow, yeah. So he's... Um, he's the man. And Josh, I think for you and I, the... Um, there was no question. I, 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 I agree with, with Jeff Johns. Yeah. You know, the dude has made me interested in stuff I would have no, 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 no interest. None whatsoever. None. But when you, when we had to think of somebody, the, the first name that popped into my head and the one that I, I had no problem explaining uh, was Jason Aaron. Uh, we just talked about Scalped, um, but this year was a year that he came into his own. He did all of these, uh, like all this Marvel work and all these minis and just all this, like, he'd show up and stuff. And every time he touched something, it was like, where has this guy been all well, he did. Lives? He did Wolverine. He did Ghost Rider. He did another Wolverine miniseries. He's, he did Black Panther. He did, Black he did Panther. The, he, the Penguin one-shot from the, the Joker's Asylum. Yeah. You know, every time one of these things came out, people were talking about it. They were excited. And this is a guy who nobody knew last year. Yeah. Well, they did, but he was still the guy doing Scalped. He yeah. wasn't like... Um, he really got into the mainstream this year. And he, but he showed that he could do stuff other than... And they're, just, all, they're all different. Yeah. I mean, the Wolverine story was different than the Ghost Ghost Rider was like a grindhouse film, and the current Wolverine arc miniseries is like a kung fu movie, and and Scalped is is just horrible reality. And he does all different styles, and he does them all well. Uh, you know, he's he's a guy who's who's getting a lot of recognition, and he deserves it. Uh, I'm excited to see what he's going to do in the in the future. But this was a great year for him. Uh, Very good. One of my favorite writers. Yep. He also did Punisher uh, one shot, which was good too. Yep. Which was apparently a lot of. That's like a uh, match made in heaven. It, <laughs> yeah, is. it is. He was. He, was yeah, he should do the Punisher. I can see that. That'd be really good. It was very um, graphic. Yeah. A little shocking. Excellent. So that was the year in comics. Yeah, you're right about Nova. Now that I think about it. <laughs> so. All right. Over Glamour Puss? <laughs> no, Glamour Puss I'd still put up. So there. who would you take off your list then? Ah, uh, no. Are you in the lists. Come you're on. Two, two... You take it off Echo? You take it off Young Liars? No. You take it off Uncanny? I'm not taking off Echo. Captain Britain? No, all right. Calm down. <laughs> Alright, let's move along. You can't have six, you only have five. And see, this is what we live with every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These walls. 
All right, so before we uh, sign off, we got something uh, kind of we're we're pretty excited about. Um, or another, another announcement. Another announcement. Three weeks um, in a row. Yes, uh, but we're excited to t- let everyone know that we've been working on an, another website that we're getting ready to launch um, in 2009. Right now, it is in kind of a private beta mode, but um, that's going to be coming out. It's going to be coming out of beta hopefully in um, early 09. But it's f- open to the public for you all to come check it out. You can go. You can go there and see it and read it. But you can't interact. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You can't post or anything. It's it's locked at the moment. Yeah, and we're going to be slowly adding more people to the site, and most likely, if you listen to my fanboy, you're one of the first people we want to invite you to. Um, and the site is called Murmur, and you can find that at murmur.com, that M-U-R-M-U-R.com. And, um, Some general, it's more of a general media, general interest site, commentary, yeah. thoughts, uh, TV, film, music, technology, lifestyle. It's, literature. It's, it's literature. It's, it's not a... You know, our families are comic-based stuff, but as you know, from do, we do these shows every year. We've, we've done, we like doing these shows. We have a lot of other interests, as you can tell from listening to us talk. So we wanted to have another outlet for that. So this is what we've developed. Yeah. So um, and we're going to be opening it up to to the public through, as into through '09. So stay tuned to that. And the great thing about Murmur is that you know iFanboy has been mainly we've been writing for you all, and you, and you guys are a great community and leaving great comments and things like that. Murmur is an opportunity for you to get in the mix. Um, in addition to our editorial staff and writing staff, um, Murmur users will have the ability to write their own articles, yeah. and um, and users can vote and leave comments and that sort of thing. So basically, you know we're we're building the the the, the sandbox for you. And we want everybody to come and play in it. So. Um, so go check it out, murmur.com. And stay tuned for more stuff as it develops. Uh, we'll be announcing it on iFanboy as well as other places. And uh, hopefully, it'll, you know, it'll be another site that you enjoy. It'll be Some busy 2009. Busy 2009, Exciting indeed. 2009. Yes, Josh is thrilled. Um, so in the meantime, you can check out um, ifanboy.com, which you know and love for the weekly Pick of the Week podcast, uh, Pick of the Week podcast, that, where we talk about the best book of the week, as well as all the comic book discussion and articles and things like that that we've been doing all through 2008 for you. And you can go to iFanboy.com slash store. That's where you can find information about our membership program as well as you can go to the iFanboy.com slash Amazon to find out books to buy that talk about the video show. And you can, you can do shopping through Amazon there. It's, it's good stuff. And there's a video show every single – well, almost. <laughs> uh, this last week, you will have seen uh, the vault uh, episode that we did of the iFanboy video show. And if you go to revision3.com slash iFanboy, you can see that and all the other stuff we did before it. Um, and next week, we're taking the first – Probably the only week off ever yeah. uh, for the iFanboy video show. So uh, there's actually going to be no show this week on the 7th, I believe. On the 7th, yes. The correct. 7th, um, and then we're back after that. Just a one. Just give us the one week off, people. Yeah, that's fine. It's been three years. Things deserve it. But um, in the meantime, while you're waiting for the new episode of iFanboy, if you have a TiVo or if you go to YouTube or anything like that, you can go and watch all the previous episodes there as usual. And you can get an iFanboy t-shirt at the Revision 3 store, the new Revision 3 store. It's at revision3.com slash store. They got the iFanboy intern shirt, and they're available for $15.99. Check them out while supplies last. They're only selling them until supplies last, and after that, there's going to be possibly a new shirt. Uh, you can email us at contact at iFanboy. You can leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. If you call in a voicemail, then uh, make sure you leave your name, where you're from. You know, keep it, keep it to the point. Do what you do. And if you are a fan of the internet and like to have friends on the internet, you can be friends with us. Go to ifanboy.com forward slash about where you can uh, find links to ifanboy on MySpace, ComicSpace, Verb, Facebook, Twitter, all the things as well as our personal links. And we want to be your friend. And make sure you check out twitter.com forward slash ifanboy where you can get instant updates of what's going on in the ifanboy world. 
And if you like this show, you should go to iTunes. You should leave us a review because that's how people find the show. The more reviews there are, the more likely people are to find it when they search for Comic Book Podcast. And that's super duper. We like that. So super duper. Super. Go there and leave us a review, not for the just for the audio show, but for the video show as well. That's you know get the word out. It's easy to do it that way. And then better yet, tell your friends and your family and your comic book buddies and all the people that you you know rip off every Saturday night at the clubs. <laughs> What? Selling <laughs> so baking soda instead of cocaine again. When you're doing that. This just went. What, what was that? This got weird. Um, I don't know how to segue from there. Uh, we told you about the iFanboy memberships. If you want to help support this, the site, and we, we do need your help, um, you can find all about that at iFanboy.com. There's a, there's a post up there. Um, but basically, there is a membership available at $4 a month or $42 for the year or $10 a month at $100 a year. If you uh, sign up for either of those, you're going to get a package with some buttons and stickers and, and a comic book. A random one from a our random collection. A random comic book. Uh, and if you are at the higher rate, the $10 or $100, uh, you're going to get a special members-only t-shirt. So get to uh, ifanboy.com slash store and you can you can, uh, you can can get into that. Get into it. Thank you very much, Get deep way. in it. <laughs> yes, and thank you, everybody. It's been a great year. We wouldn't be here without you all, so you know, yeah. we thank you again for, for, the for participating. So, um, so until next year, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I actually just showed up. I wanted to say... Um, oh, Eddie's back. Uh, uh, Merry holiday. Who's got the Merlot? we got to get Everyone, this guy the Merlot. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, goodbye. <laughs> Queen of New York City When, when the band finished playing They held on for more Sinatra was swinging All the jokes they were singing We kissed on the corner Then danced through the night The 